Support for the Laser Time Network is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, so join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Better yet, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME, one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with your code LASERTIME. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. gentlemen welcome to laser time the internet's 18th leading pop culture show and you know what it's time for an annual tradition it's oscar time yes yes every week we pick a pop culture topic or other week i forget how things are working now but an annual tradition i believe is this the 10th year diana goodman 10th or 11th 10th or 11th i'm one of your hosts chris antista and of course it wouldn't be an oscar time without Diana Goodman of 302010. Hi, Diana. Hello. I'm happy just to be nominated. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we also have joining her a Video Game Apocalypse fame. Michael Raparez. Yeah, Hello. Michael Raparez. And a first timer this year uh, who saw all the movies organically. Uh, Frameworks Tony Wilson. Incorrect. I saw uh, all but two of the movies organically. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh. Just, but, but yes, thank you very much for having me. I, I have been listening, you know, to Laser Time for some time. So it's really cool to be a part of a show that I've listened to for so long. It makes me feel real special. I, I always ad, ad, I admire people who don't go out of their way and cram all the movies into the last week like I do some of the time. Um, if, in case you don't know what we do in Oscar time, we watch every single Best Picture nominee and so you don't have to. And then we typically, I don't know when this tradition started, that we write sketches for every single film. They're not always great, but they are sketches. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> it and, is content. And it is, it, it is, might not be good content. It is fun to do. And I, I, yes, I always operate on the SNL principle. It's about, it's about what it's about, and it's on time. And that's, the, that's all you can do sometimes. <laughs> Uh, and you can't save everything in edit. Oh, why am I apologizing? I love doing this. Um, it, it, this year... Uh, I'm a little angrier. Even though organ- to organically watch all the movies nominated for Best Picture, the 2021 Oscars, the 93rd annual Oscar, man, they are way ahead of us. Um, <laughs> someday we're going to have to go back and do all the other Oscars, Diana. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, man, I'm going to go off on Broadway Melody of 1929. Holy <laughs> fucking blows. Broadway Melody. It was easier to watch... These organically, because I believe half of the eight Best Picture noms debuted on streaming services. Yeah. that You can chalk that up to being due to COVID-19, but I also think that's an accelerant of what we're going to see from here on out. Uh, prestige Could pictures. If, if movie theaters survive, it will be <laughs> on franchises like Marvel and Godzilla, and the movies that get nominated for Oscars will debut on streaming services. 
I'm curious to see where this goes because they loosened up some of their restrictions on what counts as a feature film because right. they knew movie theaters just aren't open um, yeah, and, and, and things it, can't play for a week in New York and LA when there are no theaters open because of statewide mandates. I, so and this I, is yeah. essentially just going to forever change, I think, what, yeah, the rules of what can be nominated. Yep. Like it's, we've had how many years now of your Amazon studios and your Hulus and your Netflixes <laughs> getting nominations right it's been a handful of them yeah. mm -hmm. and like i think now this is like it's never going to go back like i, I think i'm not sure what are, happens because I, I don't think they're going i think back. it's hilarious that we're like what a year or two out from spielberg saying like i don't think movies made for streaming services should be nominated those are tv movies they don't count as feature films and now it's like what else are you gonna nominate, Steven? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Sorry, by, it's, by... it's all Trolls World Tour mm -hmm. and Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> the only things that played in theaters. By by I 2024, do. Spielberg will be complaining. I don't think I should be nominated alongside a three-part episode of Family Guy, but the restrictions <laughs> are what they are. It, like it's it, 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 it where it, where will the line be? I don't know. And I always describe the Mickey Mantle asterisks, but I also thought it was funny. The Oscars are airing later this year, but they had to widen the window for like, mm -hmm. it was like 14 months of film. Uh, and like the cutoff was like two days before they made the announcements. And I thought that was kind of strange. So a couple of films wouldn't have made it normally, I don't think. Um, I do have to say, I, I am representing a percentage of people who, uh, for me, this it was much, it was actually much harder to watch everything organically. Right. Uh, like the COVID has just destroyed my attention span. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like I find it so, like, I loved when I could, I would, you know, go to theater, turn my phone off, sit down and be immersed. But there's something about being at home and having every possible distraction around me that it just makes it so much harder for me to settle in. So I like, I truly cannot wait to just resume normal movie watching. And I hope we at least get some semblance of that when I, it returns. I keep having uh, to like describe that to my girlfriend that, that like I miss movie theaters because you know, if you you're already suffering from adult ADHD and you have access to the entire world on your phone, it was really nice to go in a building and like, no, you operate under these conditions when you're in a movie theater. Turn your fucking phone off. Don't talk. Mm -hmm. You can't mm -hmm. get up to you can't get up to smoke weed. Uh, just mm -hmm. sit, sit, <laughs> sit here and enjoy the movie. And it's just and like, be like pause the movie. <laughs> I, I have found sometimes I'll just pull up like a bullshit phone game and just match stuff. So I don't dig into the internet and just at least mm. like I'm looking almost at the movie and <laughs> it's yeah. it's maddening. It's like having a fidget cube or something. Yeah, like I'm keeping my hands busy so I can concentrate. Yeah, so I don't have to like oh, who's that actor and then spend ninety minutes on Wikipedia. Like mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's infuriating like, for me. It was one of those things where um, it. I think the reason it led to the non-organic stuff was because like. I have to make it a point to sit down and watch it. Whereas before, like if I don't have plan, like before COVID, if I didn't have plans for whatever evening, mm -hmm. I would probably just go and see something, you know, that AMC mm -hmm. A-list, see whatever you want. Yeah. And because of that, organically, you see everything overall, but then, you know, as a result, the stuff that's nominated. Uh, whereas this year, like I said, I, I, everything, I did see somewhat organically everything, but, but two films. So I had to play some catch up. But, the, you know, I, I watched them in situations where, like, it's not normally where I'd watch a film, right? Like, it'd be like, yeah. oh, I'm traveling to see family, so let's watch the one that isn't known for its cinematography on this bus ride. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way Spielberg intended. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Where'd you see this movie? On a Greyhound. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think somebody like posted like after Scorsese said like I want people to see this on a big screen with uh, the the Irishman or mm-hmm. whatever, and somebody like mm-hmm. posted a video of themselves like watching it on a phone while driving a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my favorites was uh, people watching uh, what what's the Nolan um, was the new tenant, tenant on a 3ds. Oh, I wonder if that's possible. Uh, someone uh, did. Um, I, I may have just. Oh, that's right. They, they they compressed it for like Game Boy Advance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they compressed it onto a Game Boy Advance cartridge. <laughs> so they're watching it on this little like you know 360p <laughs> awfully oh. backlit screen. And uh, and oh, I think wonderful. the the other reason theater so much. Absolutely, I think we're... at least with Tenet, you got better sound when you watched it at home, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I think we're all we're all rooting for theaters. I really do hope they come back. I, I do think it was a great. I think part of not enjoying a lot of I I feel like I watched plenty of films, but I didn't enjoy them as much because we didn't make a thing out of it with friends and the yep. pageantry and. Mm. The getting out of sweatpants, uh, like none of that <laughs> happens, and uh, watching them over, bre- watching an Oscar-nominated movie over breakfast, uh, it, it just—it's also weird. And I think COVID nineteen is going to put another notation next to this year, and it's the thing I'm most angry about. And that does happen when you binge four of these films in a row; they're all fucking depressing. Oh, and- so depressing! Oh, yeah, this yeah. is a stone cold bummer of a year. It is a wonderfully varied year in mm-hmm. terms of like subject and nominations mm-hmm. and nominees specifically, but mm-hmm. yeah, the, the films themselves. Ooh, I, I know uh, they're all directed yeah. by Debbie Downer. Really, I know yeah. it's good for I me. Mean, and there's yeah, there's no kind of mid high budget prestige, but also crowd pleaser in there. You know, there's yeah. no like a Titanic or something where it's. Yeah. It has broad appeal, and there's you know more stuff for everyone. Like these are very. Yeah. Lower end of mid budget prestige kind of. Films, I mean, I wish which I'm, means yeah. they're generally pretty sad. I was like, I was I, shocked most... how how many of these like uh they weren't sitting on them. They a lot of these movies, most a lot of their production was done during COVID, even if it was mostly their post production. So yeah. I mean, hats off to them for getting it done because that's well, just. I think also because they know none of these are like blockbusters. Yeah. Like they're not leaving money on the table by selling it to Amazon for. You know, a ten percent more than their budget was. Yeah, yeah. You know, none of none of these was going to crack three hundred million dollars. So I, I do want to say, do yourself a favor after you listen to this or watch any of these movies, go watch the true best movie of twenty twenty one, Bob Odenkirk's Nobody. It is. It was the palate <laughs> cleanser I had to watch after four of these in a row, where I felt like I was being tortured. You know. My girlfriend who doesn't Actually, you know what? I can give a recommendation for a movie that came out in theaters in 2020 that I'm kind of bummed I don't see here though. Invisible Man. I loved Fucking it. Mm. I loved Invisible Man. It was it was it was a lot of fun. I couldn't get anybody else to agree with me that it was one of the best movies of the year, but I thought it was up there. My horror friends abandoned me when it came to Invisible Man. Oh, it, was no, it was great. It's I mean, he fused I, I don't recall the director's name off the top of my head. Uh, is who it Lee Wannell who did Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's who it was. Not is he in the Saw movies or Yes, yes. yes. So he took like he took the horror of Saw and then he did Upgrade, which was a great action fl- film, and then just married the two. Uh, with Invisible Man, like it was a great like kind of action horror film, yeah, like very yeah. enjoyable. And, and bringing back the Invisible Man to like a genuine villain, 
from the yeah. first yeah. the first film, which he's yeah. if you've seen another Invisible Man movie in a while, other than Hollow Man, they're all presented as like vague heroes. Uh, mm, but yeah. I I, th- I thought that was great. And uh, I also somebody pointed out an interesting little connection in that like Elizabeth Moss uh, was also in like an episode of Batman the Animated Series as a girl whose father was an Invisible Man. Oh, oh, oh. wait, <laughs> so, really? I think. I, wow. OK, sorry. I think I remember that. I had this has hmm. not been pointed out to me. But again, these are these are all really tough to watch in a row. And I think in some ways <laughs> hard to recommend, even though I think they're all beautiful. I like the idea that mm. we all sat at home feeling bad and we were given movies to like really scratch our empathy circuit or whatever and like really mm-hmm. consider th- like here's eight ways <laughs> people here's eight groups of people who have everything worse than you. Maybe shut up. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, and, a couple of them like it. The, they were okay up until like, oh, we've got like tragedy in the last 20 minutes of the movie. And it's like you almost, it almost feels like you tacked on a tragedy to satisfy that, an Oscar requirement. That is, <laughs> that is in, that is in my notes that like, instead of a, like a, a twist ending that makes you feel good, multiple movies are like, let's just fuck everybody else up even worse at the mm. end of this. And it like, it was, I think I could have dealt with them organically one at a time but like yeah watching them watching them like all in a row yeah. man, it really hurt yeah you got to give them like a little room to breathe really don't watch hurt. them in a row it, so you I'm know not... maybe one a day give yourself time to yeah. process yeah because i mean i would say one two three of these uh in my opinion at least are, are pretty slow burners too yeah mm-hmm. um well, so at least one case, uh, it's a pretty fast burn there at the end, but uh, we'll get to it. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's 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 just dig into all this. We're going to break them down uh, one one at a time in alphabetical order, and uh, we will tell you what we're starting with. It'll be a surprise if you can't spell right after this short break. Oh, Chris. Oh, Matt. People might not know this about us, but we are two hairy, ape-like human beings. We just got a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. Antista, listen to that name. I am a little baby gorilla. And that means we've especially got a lot of hair down there. But they also don't know. I personally love a freshly shorn scrotum. Mm-hmm. I am a huge proponent of manscaping and there is no reason not to do it it is wonderfully hygienic you can get way more days out of your underwear your partner will thank you and once again if you can trim back the tree line it makes it look like you own more property well sure but here's the thing it can be kind of a harrowing experience trimming the hair down there there's bobs and bits and just there's too much that could go wrong leading to some unsightly nicks or even a medical emergency. Many a time I thought I had things under control when they quickly headed south while I was trimming down south. And let me tell you, Chris, <laughs> it hurts. It not only hurts not to be indelicate, but blood doesn't clot on some of those malleable pieces of flesh very well. Right? It just keeps bleeding. That's why I was so excited when our latest sponsor, Manscaped, reached out to us. In fact, I was downright giddy. Do you see me wearing the Manscaped shirt right now? I'm like a walking mm-hmm. billboard for Manscaped. But... I would be even if I took this shirt off because I recently did a little manscaping of my own using their patented Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. 
The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created with the Lawnmower 3.0. That's way more than Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule to become an expert. These guys are like savants of ball trimming, Chris. <laughs> yes. I have tried every technique. I've been manscaping for 20 years. The best thing I've been able to come up with before Manscaped, before a tool expressly crafted uh, for you know trimming back the nether regions, was either a lighter or a razor that had been so dulled it would cut me less. So I would use a razor on my face for like five months just to get it dull enough to not cut my genitals in half. It, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm, I've been dying for this product for a long time. That is going to just put you in a bad place. But Manscapes, their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. None of that dull blade lighter business you're talking about. I don't even know what you're doing there. That, that sounds dangerous. That was mostly for the chest hair, but like Manscaped, yeah, dude, you can use this on your chest hair too. Sure. By the way, when I tell you this is a premium trimmer, I mean premium. The battery life can last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. That is a a lot of bushwhacking a 90 minute shave session yeah that is like a like a george the animal steel level of <laughs> manscapery but but it should never take any of us that long and I, i'm telling you they probably tested it on hairy people like me well chris they have waterproof technology that even <gasps> allows you to groom in the shower forget shower wow. beers we're all about them shower balls, baby. No, my girl likes to watch me do this in the rain. It's a really <laughs> weird fetish for her. <laughs> One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. I mean, we all need as much light as we can get when trimming the hair down there. That is not something you want to do blindly. Trust me on that one. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Ah, yeah, there we go. There we go. And let's not forget about the charging stand, Chris. You got to show off your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. That's right. USB. You can literally plug this bad boy in at your computer workstation. Go wow. to town on your lunch break. Now, look, I'm not saying do this when we're all back in the office. This is definitely kind of a work from home only situation. But who's going to know? Sometimes for me, it's like a cutting the goatee on a basset hound. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be lifted up first. This is a <laughs> private endeavor. If you're listening to Chris and I talk about this right now, we want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. So go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME. That's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com with the code LASERTIME. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 302010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two. Over at patreon.com slash lasertime, we've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 3020 and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts, Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. I'd never heard of Metal Walker that the cover makes it look like Kirby, but it is perhaps yeah. Capcom's one and only first ever billiards-based RPG, and I'm like, that sounds stupid. Then I looked at it in action, and it was fucking rad. 
No, why is it called Metal Walker? If it's first? I did an image search for it, and it's a bunch of metal walkers for metal uh, senior citizens. Yeah. Well, I, I looked into this just a little bit, and and yeah, it's it's sort of like Pokemon crossed with billiards in that like you you uh, recruit and and have like a stable of these little uh, circular robots, and then you can like make them say like, okay, I want this guy to move this way across the arena, and he's going to bounce off this wall and bounce into an enemy. It's like you're hitting him with a pull cue. You can you can make him hit yeah. an enemy. You can make them knock enemies into the walls or other areas, or enemies into other enemies. And a little upset we didn't get the Japanese name though. Roaring Chronicle Metal Walker GB colon Steel Friendship. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was, that was, those were like three Troy Blaclor movies, like right in there. <laughs> Steel <laughs> Friendship. Steel Friendship. <laughs> so, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash laser time in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the laser time shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yeah. Sadly, coming in with a one movie I did not finish before this show. Um, but you know, before anybody gives me shit saying like all these movies are depressing, like um, it's not like. I I am personally dealing with problems presented in two of these films right now, including the father, somebody in mm. your, uh, somebody in your family who is slowly losing. How do they? How do the kids say it? It, um, is someone who is losing. Mm-hmm. The, it, it's it's specifically slowly d- losing the sewer clown. Uh, it's, it's, it's it's specifically <laughs> dementia, and in case you need to know. We are talking about The Father, uh, directed by Florian Zeller, written by Florian Zeller and Christopher Hampton, um, starring Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. Here's a little clip. Everything all right? Who are you? Actually, it's me, Paul. Who? I live here. What is this nonsense? It's me. Ah, there she is. Your father seemed a bit confused. Something wrong? Where's Anne? Sorry? Anne, where is she? Uh, this is also uncomfortable. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, this was this was the one I was least looking forward to because I was thinking it was going to be, you know, a slog. Yeah. And uh, that it's just going to be misery porn. And instead, it's got a hook. I feel like I feel like we need to talk about it and Sound of Metal together because so? they both use the medium of film to literally put us into the perspective of yeah. someone whose perspective mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. changed. Mm-hmm. So that's in why in this I, case I'm a, it's dementia. I, I'm upset because like I thought it was going to be from the perspective of the people around someone with dementia, which I'm right. I've already done that. I was but struck with the I was struck with more miserable. I that's was, fucking amor, man. Exactly. Yeah, I, I expected going cuz I only, you know, they, this is one where they tell you like if you know the premise, fine, but go in as blind as you can, as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. I was expecting more along the lines of like a, a still Alice, uh, where it's yeah. a very similar thing. It's this Julianne Moore losing her uh, memories and, and that sort of thing. But that's more from a, um, you know, not fly on the wall perspective, but that's more top down. Like you're not seeing it from her point of view. You're seeing it from it's sort of being narrated to you. 
in this case, it, it all being from Anthony Hopkins' point of view, like it, it, it really does I didn't expect that at all. And I was confuse like, you as I was, a viewer. I was hit yeah. with like, well, this is fucking bold. Holy shit. Uh, and yeah. I, I've complimented several movies nominated for Oscar that do get nominated for Oscars when they do that. I think I remember Silver Linings Playbook made me feel like I was afflicted with whatever bipolar nonsense all the characters on screen were. And mm. this movie's like, oh, is this what grandma felt? Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's like a whole other thing. The, the, yeah, the fear of what if this happens to me? What if this happens to my loved one and I have to take care of them? And it happens yeah. to millions of people yeah. have to deal with someone with, you know, cognitive decline. And to put you into those shoes and understand how it's so disorienting mm -hmm. because the whole movies, you're never sure some, this might be a memory. Mm -hmm. This might be happening. This might have happened already. It might be out of order. I'm not, things you know, often repeat, but with different actors. Yeah. Things might yeah. be repeating. So is he remembering the thing from earlier? It was earlier. Remember? Yeah. And it's done so well. Though, yeah. That I, I was I was expecting it to really be a slog, and instead it was almost like a little mystery. Yeah, it's like memento. And it moves, and it moves <laughs> yes. at a very quick pace. It's uh, I mean, it's, it's ninety it's minutes, man. Of of the of the nominees, right? We yeah. have it, people. Our oh, yeah. only ninety minute Oscar movie this year. <sighs> <laughs> that was that was actually a selling point for me. It's like, oh, it's relatively short. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not going to be three hours yeah. of the saddest I, movie. I in think the world. it's it's arguably a horror film because like oh, nothing ooh. really scary happens but the way that it happens is terrifying and the longer you watch it the more you connect with this character like he is in an absolutely terrifying situation and yet he's seemingly in denial because it's mm. it's like dream logic where like strange things keep happening and you just sort of take them in stride and you don't ever realize like Something's amiss here. It's probably me and not everybody else. I, I did. I, I was reminded of a. I don't know why he did it, but if you ever saw that Glenn Campbell documentary, not Ooh. a musician I know about, but he like made it a point to like, I am losing, I am losing my mind. I would like to go out on one last tour and document it, but he's also deeply in the throes of Alzheimer's and he it, it shows how exhausting it is like a I gotta get it ready for this tour who stole my fucking golf clubs it's this person I hired and then he like within seconds he's like he's back to normal and like why did I fucking do that oh god damn mm. oh god mm -hmm. damn and it looks and it like this looks exhausting at an age yeah. when everything is exhausting and that's what I see on Anthony Hopkins face that's how it's made me feel like because I am Tony looking at my phone occasionally and like did I miss a whole scene um, of the mm -hmm. father. Oh yeah, you better be paying attention to yeah. this one, or else it's yeah. just going to be a blur. Because mm -hmm. it's kind of already intentionally a blur. That's yeah. the point. Of, it's, yeah, it's, how it's... frustrating it would be, and that yeah, when he just turns on a dime and gets just really mean to everyone, yeah. it's like mm -hmm. I totally mm -hmm. understand why you're doing this, though. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because it's not entirely from his perspective. The mm -hmm. the perspective occasionally shifts to his daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and then you kind of see things a little bit more clearly for what they are, but it's still very strange and disorienting. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you see, you know, the daughter who's like trying her best. You you see it from people who are trying to help him. You see people who are not so much trying to help him. Uh, one of those things in particular, man. Like it was, it was. I was about ready to cry. Uh, mm. there, there's some 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 stuff that is that happens to uh, to Anthony Hopkins in this film that really really saddened me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's like, cause you kind of look at it and you just imagine like your own grandfather crying basically. And it's, it's yeah. 
I, 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 th- I think I, I was almost that. in tears by that point. And it's yeah. it's difficult. Like, I, I'm not the kind of person who normally uh, gets choked up watching movies, but that one really did it to me. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I, enjoy, I, I want to, when I'm watching a movie, I do want to let that emotion take me, but it doesn't always mm-hmm. do so, right? Like, you want to right. be immersed, but... That was just like, I mean, it was like, no, gotta be a man. (laughs) It was one of those those scenes where it's like, suck it up or wear a dress, Christopher, just like Dad said. (laughs) (laughs) But there are scenes much like with his performance. (laughs) (laughs) There are scenes much like with his performance where it does just flip like a switch, like you, you were coasting with it. And then you just, you just suddenly feel very, very bad. For Anthony yeah. Hopkins, and it's uh, wow. I mean, it's it's a beautiful film about a terrible thing, as, as, uh, as and people, for that reason, a scary film about a scary yes. thing yeah. as well. As people uh, who have finished the film, mm-hmm. are you less angry about seeing its nomination? I know this is one most people kept for last. And yeah, well, I kept it for last, knowing that I thought it was going to be a, a stone cold bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so happy it was not what I thought it was. Like, still, Alice, that's. That's one of those movies. I'm never watching that again. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that was great. You keep that 50 feet away from me. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so many things like that where it really is just, you know, a black pool of misery, mm-hmm. but it's important. Damn it. And sometimes they have like an uplifting ending. It's going to be okay. And you're like, no, that was too depressing. That this does something so different that it's really made me think about the whole topic in a different way. And also the medium of film. I mean, just these little subtle things that they do of just slightly changing the set. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then like you realize later, like, Oh wait, were they in that apartment or were they in the doctor's office when that happened? Because he's confused about when things are. Mm -hmm. And, it was, I mean, to see it started as a play, it was like, well, yeah, because it, it started out pretty playy and talky. Oh, I bet that stage work is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, there's, you know, but also like when you're looking at a set on a stage, you kind of just accept that, oh, well, this room represents different rooms, depending on what furniture you put them in, put in there. But on film, they, they're tricking you. Because you don't expect that. You think, mm-hmm. oh, well, this is the same apartment. Oh, look, they fit, they redid their kitchen. That's nice. You're like, wait, maybe it's not the same apartment. Ooh, yeah. they're fucking with you. Yeah. They're fucking it's with like, the audience. Saying that there was never a painting here, but there's the clear outline of where a painting used to be. And then yeah. he's finding, yeah. like, why is the furniture from the doctor's office stacked in the hallway? Yeah. Oh, and then that, that, uh, he has, like, I think it's like a, a t- television set or something in his room that's mm-hmm. in the same place as the painting. Like, yeah, they do. Yeah, that it it really does bring you into the mind of someone suffering from that in a mm. in a on, like almost immediately engaging way. Like yeah. you only it's like very fast. You get your first exchange with Olivia Coleman and Anthony Hopkins, and then as soon as anyone else shows up, it, you you immediately realize what you're in for. And mm-hmm. I've I've really never seen anything quite like it. Honestly, yeah, I was, no, I was very no, absolutely not. I was thoroughly surprised at the the cleverness in this approach, and didn't give. <laughs> didn't give the Academy enough credit that they would nominate something for, because like, like Diana said, when I'm, I'm looking at the best, best picture or uh, best actor nominees. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think of what Riz Ahmed, uh, Riz Ahmed did and Anthony Hopkins did in this. Oh, I Okay. I see it now as much as I want to just give it to Chadwick Bose, Bozeman uh, for mm-hmm. having probably the worst year of any of us. And, and for acting yeah. in another play turned movie. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, in what should be a supporting role, though. I, I got to go with that one. I know. I know. There's a, a lot of that buffoonery happening. Um, 
happening this time. But the father, you think it's got a chance? Do you think? What do you think about Anthony Hopkins in the the actor category? Uh, I think Anthony Hopkins is probably a lock. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been thirty years since the last mm-hmm. one in a very, very, very different part. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's great that we did just watched Silence of the Lambs for the eightieth time for thirty twenty ten, watching this now thirty years later, almost. Exactly. Yeah, now Hannibal makes you cry. No, I mean, which he hasn't done since Transformers: The Last Night. I actually, you know, I did have to, (laughs) again, like with with being at home and having all the distractions, I did have to pause at one point to just pull up some screenshots from Silence of the Lambs because obviously he has aged since and like Mm. noticeably so if you look side by side, but I'm watching Mm. this like in my head, just this is what he looked like in Hannibal or in Silence of the Lambs, right? He hasn't changed at all. And then I go back, he's like, oh no, he, he has, I mean, he was not a young man in that film by any means, but like, no, he's. It's a lot more cracks in the pavement now. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins has been older than me since I discovered him. Uh, I think he's he's older than I am now in Silence of the Lambs. So like, I've always known yeah. him as a bit on the old side. Yep. So I yeah. don't see it. I think I've some seen... of that Wilford Brimley gene just always. Yeah, been yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Even in like Lion in Winter, where he's like in his twenties. He's still like you're like forty five, right? No. That's what happens. Hopkins don't dropkins. That's terrible. I'm editing that. <laughs> and, uh, that's... <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's I don't it's probably not going to win best picture. It's nice to see it in here. And I mean, it's, it ends up being a recommend for me just yeah. because it's not what you're expecting. Yeah. It's so much more interesting. It's, it's, and so many people like Sound of Metal. And if you like Sound of Metal, mm-hmm. this is in the same wheelhouse. Yeah. If we're it's if one of those we're things right- like it's sad, it's not depressing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, I am glad it was. I didn't plan for it to be, but I'm glad it was the last one I watched because had it not been, after that 90 minutes was over, having to sit back and just, okay, let's do another one probably <laughs> would have been uh, a little difficult. Um, you know, if if we were ranked choice voting, <laughs> this mm-hmm. would be a, a third place for me. Yeah, it, um, I, I, I can. But see how it's 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 it, it it's may great, not... and if he wins for 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 a lead, great, I'll be happy. It may not be my favorite story of the eight. It is, but. It, it's construction and <laughs> moving the medium of film forward like deserves to be acknowledged, as does yeah. Sound of Metal. Keep wanting to say Sound of Thunder. Goddamn Ray Bradbury in the brain. <laughs> um, uh, but with that, we have to get into our sketch. Let's start with that. Attention, people, attention. As you're all aware, Subject Delta, known to you as the father, has resurfaced in London. The father made his bones during the 70s as an MI6 assassin posing as a tap dancer to cover his sanctions. He's kept us at bay all these years using stolen records that would severely compromise our operations if made public. But one of our deep cover operatives, say hello, Anne. Hello. Has been posing as his daughter for some time and has uncovered what we believe to be the Compromat's location. I'm sorry, did you say posing as his daughter? Don't worry about it, Paul. Anne. The documents are kept in a flash drive embedded in the father's watch. He keeps it on his person at almost all times, but I've discovered a secret hiding place in a cupboard next to his bath. That's where we'll find it. If you know where it is, then why are we here? Grab it and be done with it. It's not that simple, I'm afraid. The father has another copy hidden somewhere in his flat. Possibly in an old newspaper or one of his paintings. Even if we find that, he has the material committed to memory. The only way to make it worthless is to disorient him so utterly that he forgets who he even is. Right. We've established a 90-minute window during which we can make our move. In that time, we must disabuse him of all notions of reality. Why don't I just hit him? What? Why, why, why would you hit him? Just a cheeky little slap. Maybe three. What's he going to do? 
Right, well, maybe keep that in reserve for if he's getting on everyone's tits. What if I told him I'm moving to Paris and leaving him all alone? Brilliant, Anne. That'll create the uncertainty we need to sow our seeds of doubt. While you're doing that, I'll search through his newspapers for the other copy. What if he sees you? I'm sure I'll think of something. Maybe I'll tell him I'm your husband, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, we have your double here as well, Anne. Hello! That's ridiculous. She looked only vaguely like me. That's the beauty of it. He won't recognize her at first, but she looks just similar enough to make him question his own eyes. We'll just swap you both out every so often to really drive home the confusion. And once that was thin, she'll pose as his nurse. And then I get the flat. No, I get the flat. What do I do? You're our bagman, Paul. Take the watch when he leaves it in his hiding place. Then just wear it like it's yours. What if he asks about it? Do you need a spycraft instruction manual, man? Just act as if you didn't hear him and change the subject. I don't see how that'll work. Look, if he gets insistent, I suppose... I suppose you can just do the slappy thing. Yes! You know, you know what? Never mind. No, I, I don't trust you. I'll do the slapping. Meanwhile, I've hired a crew of extra-fast, extra-discreet fixers to repaint the entire place and change all the furniture whenever he leaves a room. All of you must act as though this is normal. What if I do something stupid like leaving the wrong furniture stacked in the hallway? I don't see how that's a possibility. Now, you all know your roles? Let's get out there and pull this off for Mother England. When we're done with him, he'll be crying for mummy. I think we can all presume that was hilarious once we're done with it. Um, and <laughs> we're doing this a little out of order this, this time, so we can't directly reference every one of our sketches. Why am I pulling back the curtain? I don't need to do it that at all. It was pretty bigly, though, I it, must say. It was bigly. It was truly, truly, truly bigly. Uh, and then we got to get alphabetically our next film. Um, debuting on Jesus HBO Max, I think one of the one of the no no not Jesus Judas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you know it was it was Jesus? Uh, no, the, the title was Jesus was my homeboy. That was the original <laughs> title. It, it sounds like I'm making a Jay Leno joke, but no, that was the yeah. original title of the film. Uh, huh. I was so like if you I was going back searching for something and I realized I had to change what title I was searching for because Judas and the Black Messiah was called Jesus was my homeboy. Uh, it's directed That's by something I have seen on T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like present it, tense. it'll confuse you because you'll see like really bad mall T-shirts and Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> and uh, but uh, <laughs> also Ju that 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 slang seems anachronistic. I don't think that was in use in the seven or the sixties. I but... think it. I think it was referenced in the writing of one of the characters. Um, mm. If I'm not mistaken, again, I'm not. I'm definitely not an expert, but I accidentally did a little research in Judas of the Back of Black Messiah, directed by Shaka King. Written by Will Burson and uh, Shaka King, the screenplay anyway, and starring Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, Meth Damon. God, what does <laughs> he get called that? I love Jesse Plemons. And a little clip from the trailer. Deputy Chairman Fred Hampton of the Illinois Black Panther Party. And that's uh, the trailer is just a bunch of uh, not dialogue after that. And uh, mm. I think one of the was it the second? It was the second controversial. Every Warner Brothers movie is now debuting in theaters, which it couldn't if you live in America. Uh, I think you can now, but not then, February. And mm -hmm. debuting uh, in theaters and on HBO Max. And I was like, yeah, I'll see that. But then my girl, it turns out, is a massive Fred Hampton fan. So I was... Okay, uh, right on. Yeah, I, I know. She's, she's weirdly into that kind of stuff. So I was like listening to 
Fred Hampton's speeches before this. So that part of the movie, I was particularly moved by. I, I wanted to watch this again because I think at the end, I felt disappointed that like it didn't tell one. So- it, it didn't tell the story of one man or the other. But I, if you've listened to Oscar time, I routinely complain about biopics that try and tell the, a person's life story. And instead, the if you look at how this was made, there were competing Fred Hampton scripts that merged into this huh. one. Huh. And uh, yeah. I think, and they decided as a hook, if, if, if studios are going to balk at this because it's a Black Panther biopic, why don't we throw in a departed angle and show you the side of the man who brought him down, Judas and the Black Messiah. Get it now? Um, uh, so it's, so it is, it is like a, it is like Black Klansman meets departed to me. And I, I, I just yeah. wish this hadn't come, come around so close to Black Klansman because I've watched that movie a lot and it's so funny uh, <laughs> when it's not being depressing. And this movie is just very serious most of the time. And I want yeah. what did you guys think about it? Well, it's going to make you angry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unless uh, you're a white supremacist. <laughs> and even if you're a white supremacist, and, you might get angry. And even then. It's bad when the government shoots people. Even then, I've seen what you watch. You're angry all the time anyway. Even when you're yeah, presumed yeah. to be winning. You're angry as fuck. Yeah. Consider and you're missing so... the point. Fred Hampton was trying to appeal to you, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's I, honestly, that that is the highest compliment that I can at least pay this movie is prior to watching it, I was not aware of the Rainbow Coalition. Uh, like immediately yeah. upon watching the movie, I had to go and research more of this because, and then that made me angry in in knowing like how in general, I guess common perception, and at least in my history class, I was given a very false narrative about Black Panthers and what they were doing. Oh yeah. Like, I, grew yeah. Up with, I grew up with a very different uh, Im- um, impression of, of what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially when you, I mean, you know, whatever, I'm not going to get into my family, <laughs> but you know, I, I, you grew up hearing very different things about them. And so to watch this movie and then research it myself, I was very glad uh, to, to be taught about that, you know, because yeah. I certainly, I certainly never stood against <laughs> uh, Fred Hampton's uh, principles in my mind, but they're always presented in such a uh, militant way when that is not what he went about doing, you know? So I, I do mm-hmm. have to thank this movie for informing me in that way uh, and then inspiring me to, to research so much more and learn so much more about who he really was and what he actually did. Yeah. Well, I mean, this civil rights and race in this country are complicated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how people approach fixing those problems is complicated. You know, there's 80 trillion different approaches that a lot of people have tried and, you know, none of them are perfect. And, and this gets into like a whole bunch of them. And yeah, it's, do we work from the inside? Do we start, you know, militant self-defense? Do we, you know, the, the anarchist collectives, black liberation, you know, there's, there's the back to Africa movement. There's all kinds of stuff. And it really gets into what he was doing, all those different philosophies and uh, why the government freaking hates that. Well, mostly, why does J. Edgar Hoover hate that? And it's because yeah. J. Edgar Hoover sucked. Yeah. He and hated hey, everything. He was if also you're extremely this... paranoid about communism. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's the right today. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of those things is the Soviet Union used to hammer us with their propaganda about, like, you can't trust America. Look how they treat their black people. And so anything that was pro-civil rights must be pro-communist, as opposed mm-hmm. to, actually, those guys have a point. Maybe we should clean up our shit so they can't make fun of us anymore. Yeah, if, if, if the guy you consider the villain is giving a valid criticism, 
you should really examine what they're saying. Yeah. Oh, you better stop giving breakfast to those kids in Oakland. That's communism. And hey, hungry. If the movie, if it gets to be a little too much and you need a break, pause this, watch Trial of Chicago 7 and come back because they're a perfect pairing. Fred Hampton (laughs) appears in both. Mm -hmm. And if you seriously do pause about halfway in the middle, you get to see Fred Hampton go to Chicago and do his, do his business there, then Mm -hmm. return. And and I I will say like watching these in the light of 2020 and what happened over Mm -hmm. the summer with Mm -hmm. the, the rioting, the BLM shit, it's like, it it pisses me off watching both of these because it's like nothing has changed in 50 years. Mm. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Except except the uh, the intelligence services are a little less blatant with how they target and literally assassinate people. Mm. Like in a, in a uh, time yeah. when that was tolerated. I feel like with the FBI it was more like we're just operating openly with impunity. <laughs> like Yeah. Mm. We'll kill our own people, why not? Yeah. 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 But no, the uh the the Judas angle, I think that was really smart because it yeah, does turn a, a lot of it into a, a two-hander movie, which I f- it's, yeah, again, shenanigans with the categories, why both the leads are as supporting actors. They're both nominated, which is great, but... Incredibly dumb. And one of these people is supporting the other to, according to the definition, so one of them should not be in this category. Which one yeah. is it? And it's yeah. like, it, not to, not, I don't want to go off on too much of a rant here, but you when you think structural racism is gone, Oscars 2021 best supporting actor, like you, j- you knew you what had to fit them doing? in, but you put them in a lesser category than they deserved. Yeah. Ugh. It's very <laughs> strange, but I mean, both, both Kaluuya and uh, Stanfield, I mean, they're great. And yeah, it adds, you know, it, it definitely adds some tension to the whole thing, even though there's already plenty of tension when, you know, the government and the cops are trying to stop a guy from talking to people. Yeah, to add the the sort of like an insider who's trying to figure yes. like he doesn't want to sell this guy out, but he's got to save his own butt, and you know that's that's how the feds get you. And I think I, I think never at, talk at the end of the uh, the end of the film. I found myself more interested in Lakeith Stanfield's character and yeah. what was going on with him when I thought I was getting a uh, uh, Fred Hampton biopic. Uh, it's 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 half about half and half, but he is the character to departed style goes undercover, working with the FBI, but not as an FBI agent, being forced by the FBI. I believe we have certain laws protecting uh, people like that character now. Um, I mean, he's basically an informant. Right? He's yeah. an he's an informant, but like that is deep, deep, deep cover, and like mm-hmm. has to be like re- just relentlessly like paranoia has to like set in all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they they play that up too. Yeah. You know, there, there's the, they, there's a whole thread where where they start talking about we have a mole. Who is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, Lakeith like Stanfield obviously and understandably being terrified that they they know they know yeah. what he's been up to. And yeah. and there's that other thing where it's just like they they killed this other mole in this other Black Panther cell, and it's like, what are you talking about? The guy who's bragging about killing the mole is the mole. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, besides being like, oh, this is educational and this is important because it's a story that's never been told before, which I know a lot of people just go like, uh-huh, great, it's homework, I'll roll my eyes. It's like, mm-hmm. it's entertaining as hell, though. Yeah. yeah. Everyone gives a really good performance. It moves real mm-hmm. fast. I did feel like I learned stuff. I did do a whole bunch of reading afterwards. And mm-hmm. yeah. it was just, I feel like it, capt- it captured the paranoia of the late 60s a little bit better than Trials of Chicago 7 yeah. that we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. 
the paranoia is definitely there. I do feel we'd be remiss without at least mentioning uh, some of the criticism about the casting, though. Because mm-hmm. uh, th- that was at least the chief one I saw, uh, you know, the weekend it first released was that, you know, when when Fred Hampton was was assassinated, he was 21. And uh, yeah. And, you know, Daniel Kaluuya is not and does not look it at all. Um, You know, 21 is legally an adult. Uh, You know, (laughs) back back then, the drinking age was, you know, 18. It was lower even so. But still, like that's uh, it's there's there's a big difference. You know, like I I myself, you know, as I near 30, 21 to me does seem like a baby. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And so to wait till you get to 40. (laughs) I got got a little bit of time. I don't know if you could vote yet. I think 21 was still the voting age yeah, really wow. around then. Yeah. Yeah. It only got lowered because people were complaining about the draft. You could get drafted at 18, but you can't vote for the people sending you to kill people. Yeah. <sighs> so I, I do think it's important to bring up that criticism just because I did see it voiced so much. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it would have made uh, at least the ending more impactful, you know, when you have babies having babies and then babies <laughs> get shot. Um, it yeah. would, it would have, mm-hmm. w- would have changed that certainly. Um, but you know, I of course have a limited perspective that as a as a white privileged person watching it, I still did enjoy watching the film, and it did motivate me to do a lot of reading afterwards. But uh, I did see that criticism, and you know, it is important to to acknowledge it. Yep. Did anyone complain? Daniel Kaluuya is not American. Yeah. I don't know if I saw that. He certainly does a better American accent than yeah. uh, when we get to <laughs> Chicago other Seven later. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not saying, oh, he's not American because uh, he's got a foreign last name. I believe he's a Brit. I believe he's raised in he, Britain. He is British, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know I didn't know he was British until after I saw Get Out. That was the first film yeah, I'd seen too. him in. And uh, anybody who looked, oh, this he, guy's British. He I just hosted know. SNL, and I think he addresses it mm-hmm. in his monologue. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I, typically, as is always, uh, I love everything with a Keith Stanford. Whatever that dude does... Uh, watch him mess with New York in the Eric Andre show from the latest season. He is fantastic. He's a Hannibal fill-in. New York, I mean the person from the Flavor Flav show, uh, not, this, not the entire state. <laughs> I was wondering. Uh, not the, sorry, uh, but I love that dude. Everything he's in, Sorry to Bother You, Atlanta. Um, yeah. That dude does it for me. Goddamn freaking, Knives uh, Out. Knives Out. He's yeah. barely in it. Yeah. <laughs> he's still, yeah, but he's, he's got, he's got really three sequels to, to join along in. Woo! This is the movie I wanted to rewatch the most, but I did not get a chance mm. to because uh, I had to settle with my own expectations. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, yeah, that was, again, a clever way to handle the subject matter. And uh, there's like a whole documentary with, uh, what's his name, uh, Bill o- O'Neill, the FBI informant guy. Um, like many people <laughs> depicted in these films, weird suicide uh, as a result of living mm-hmm. with a lot of this guilt and um but yeah why am i introducing the comedy with suicide uh <laughs> i think part of the reason we're angry at, we get angry at these oscars is it's continually more and more difficult to write sketches about such things and yeah. uh that's even hey you know someone pointed out even the oscars do that uh 10 years ago when hugh jackman hosted Mm-hmm. And he had they did like a song parody and they had to skip the reader. The whole bit was I didn't see the reader because <laughs> a wacky fun song and dance number about a movie about the Holocaust. Maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and with that, uh, we have decided <laughs> to uh, in case of emergency break open song parody. And <laughs> that is that is what we'll be doing. We'll be right back. Missy Hampton, J. Edgar's going nuts. 
He wants to stop you, but we know what is what. We just want our rights, and we're helping our community. He wants us in our place, divided by our race. And he really hates minorities. He really hates minorities. He really hates minorities. Minorities. Listen, Hampton, I am in a great bind. I support you, but I'm facing hard time. The damn FBI, they really nailed me when I took that gun. I have joined the Black Panthers, but my guilt is getting worse. They will kill you because you go too far. Too far. Too far. You go too Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Laser Times, Oscar time, 2021. Uh, our third movie, alphabetically, and we're already in the middle of the alphabet. Very, very, very backloaded in terms of alphabetization. Uh, we have Mank, a movie I can't, I love, I love saying the name of Mank. <laughs> I love saying it all the time. It's Mank. Mank. Uh, I I I heard an interview with one of my favorite humans, Ben Mankowitz, um, host of Turner Mank. Classic Movies, oh, and they're like, "What do you think of the movie?" He's like, "They said Mank like eighty times. I fucking loved it. I'm like, it's, like, it's I, I, I loved it." <laughs> uh, but Mank, uh, directed by David Fincher, and I I don't know. I think this is a beautiful story. I didn't hear talked about much. Written by Jack Fincher. His late father, his late father wrote the screenplay before he died in 2003, and Fincher's been trying to make this movie ever since, the sticking point being he demanded it be in black and white, and no one's going to do that nowadays except for Netflix, starring Gary Oldman Ooh. and Amanda Seyfried. Um, saying her name right? Here's a little bit of the trailer. Make yourself to home, Mr. Mankowitz, or shall I call you Herman? Please, call me Mank. 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 This is Herman Mankowitz, but where to call him Mank? Mankowitz. Herman Mankowitz. New York playwright and drama critic turned humble screenwriter, Mr. Hurst. This is a business where the buyer gets nothing for his money but a memory. What he bought still belongs to the man who sold it. That's the real magic of the movies. That was... I had to get that in because that was going to be my whole clip. I love the Louis B. Mayer character uh, in this film. And another film that I really liked but found really hard to recommend, Mank. Um, well, I mean, I was this this is just catnip for me. This me was too. like this this made my year when I was like everything is everything is so hard right now. And oh, I'm sorry, one of my favorite filmmakers is making a movie about classic Hollywood. And I, I, I keep, I, I keep. You can, if you listen closely, you can hear it in the trailer. My favorite thing about it, um, they got uh, Trent Reznor and uh, Atticus Ross to do like all time period appropriate instruments to make the score, which is huge. It, I, I popped it on while reading the other day. It's like two hours of mm. these people who are renowned for their synth work, like conducting an orchestra in COVID. 
uh, during COVID, during the pandemic, like an orchestra playing individually in house in their own households. And I thought the big band cover of Closer was pushing it a little much, <laughs> but otherwise. Uh, man, yeah, once Gary Oldman started belting out March of the Pigs, I thought this is really... <laughs> oh, shit, I want to fuck you like an <laughs> Uh, but my favorite thing about it that I, I recommend to people who do like old films, whatever they did with the sound that the, I thought my stereo was broken, that it, it sounds like you ha- you're watching a character walk into a movie in an old movie. Uh, they don't undo, they don't like decrisp the sound. It just has a quality like you're in a movie theater, the whole yeah, movie. It- it is all. It always sounds like it is coming out of like your tinny older speakers. Yeah. yeah. I, I, when when you mentioned that, you know that they uh, that there was a stipulation that it be done in black and white. I'm curious if this was at in any way a part of that too, because it's it is a very deliberate choice, yep. immediately noticeable, and one of the strongest just production choices in general in the film. Yeah. Um, it's, and it, 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 this was supposed to be Fincher's follow up to the game. With Kevin Spacey and Jodie Foster signed on to star, that's how long this has been in production. Because wow, and again, the, the, that story of him making his father's script. Like, I feel like they're going to have to make a Mank movie out of this at some point. <laughs> but the making the, of Mank, and, and, just about <laughs> the making of, of sort of the making of Mank, making. Mank is the story of uh, Herman Mankiewicz, uh, mostly him writing Citizen Kane, and is it delves way deep. I love Citizen Kane. I, the only reason I was disappointed in this movie, cause I feel like it does, it, it's not as Citizen Kane-y, uh, in terms of its, its reverence for the film. Uh, apparently that mm-hmm. was intentional because thanks to Pauline Kael, there is this, uh, contingent, not unlike Toby Hooper, not directing Poltergeist that, that, uh, Orson Welles didn't have much to do with the writing process of Citizen Kane. And, right. uh, this is a minor footnote that Henry Man- Herman Mankiewicz, uh, a fairly renowned screenwriter, and that again the period they're depicting. Are, I love that that uh, that Barton Fink, all these writers selling themselves out to make shitty movies. I love that period because hey, I'm a shitty writer. I w- <laughs> I would love to go out there. Uh, there. There's millions to be made. Tell no one. I believe is a note yeah. he sent to come out to Hollywood, but uh, but yeah, it's it's. I, I was telling I, I forced Citizen Kane on Sam and Sarah because it's like you do have to have seen that movie, but it ultimately doesn't matter that much. But I don't know why you would care to watch the movie otherwise. It, it does. Yeah. It certainly helps to inform you uh, yeah. because because it, it essentially like when you watch Citizen Kane, you might not be aware of who it's actually skewering. Mm-hmm. Whereas Mank makes it a very clear point to say this is who Mankiewicz was basically sticking it to with yeah. this script. And and it, it, it also helps to just know kind of what the stakes are, what they're fighting for here. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can go in knowing just that like, well, Citizen Kane is generally considered a, one of the best, if not the best ever American movie. Mm-hmm. But until you've seen it, you don't really understand what that means, especially in this context. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, and you have to know a little bit about like, oh, and it's. Is it based on Charles and on Randolph Hearst? It's sort of based on William Randolph Hearst, or not, or it is, or well, I think it's into that's the some st- of the how it is, but not, but not as doesn't clearly the- as it's not in a such such a straight line as like I hate this guy, I'm going to make fun of him. But isn't that sort of what the movie's about? That like if or if Orson Welles was making a movie, Citizen Kane, based on William Randolph Hearst, and now he has an inside man inside mm-hmm. William Randolph Hearst's inner circle. And I thought that ultimately that's what the movie was 
was about or the things that they explored a little more that like this is a guy literally tattling and using details of uh was Marion Davies uh, William mm-hmm. Randolph's mm-hmm. rosebud, uh, for lack of a better, <laughs> for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, uh, that's that he had an inside man getting intimate details of this person's life. It also explains why William Randolph Hearst was probably fucking livid beyond belief to find out this movie was going to be made and written by yeah. this person that he trusted. And th- these yeah. are things I've never just, heard just, explored. Yeah, but on person top who of he that, was basically the patron of for a while. Yeah, yeah. he's basically his patron. But I mean. Class war was yeah. the thing I was not yeah. expecting as yes. much in the, oh, the idea yeah. that it's sort of like, oh, no, you're my friend, but no, really, you're my dancing monkey. Like, I keep you around because you're funny. Hmm. You know, you're you're funny. You amuse my girlfriend, but you're disposable. You're a disposable yeah. person. We are not friends. I do not care about yeah. you. And, right. Uh, and, a great... and, and his support with like his support for Upton Sinclair and these like liberal socialist sort of values, which were obviously the, you know, the depression that a lot of people that started to make a lot of sense to people of like, yeah. yes, we should have like really strong things for the working man because no one's paying attention to him while he's up on his castle yeah. drinking his bootleg booze and the rest of us are freaking starving. Let's all vote for Bill Nye. <laughs> There's a there's a little thing you're not gonna like called organized labor. I was just watching like it's it's barely in Citizen Kane, but uh, mm-hmm. it helps redefine the context of more of what Citizen Kane was about and what what character was or what was at stake during that time. Uh, mm-hmm. I I the more I think about this movie, the more I really like it, and the more I like there are so few movies I feel that actually star Gary Oldman. Like he's always a bit player or a villain and shit. And he and like other than Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, shout out to Sonya, her favorite Planet of the Apes movie. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't think of a lot of movies that just it's just Gary Oldman, not in a wig or a, like a seriously weird accent. Uh, I am Reznov in Call of Duty. We're <laughs> <laughs> linking linking it back to the first movie in our discussion when he's the the half eaten face guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and uh, Hannibal. Yes, yeah. And, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, but I'm I, talking to Sarah about it, who couldn't be on the show. She wanted to. I, I wasn't sure if I could recommend it because I don't know what it feel what it would feel like it was about to someone who doesn't have a connection with old Hollywood or Citizen Kane. Would anybody I, care about this movie? I feel like in for somebody like that, the selling point is that um, it's just, it is a snapshot of that era of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of similar feelings as I did with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, where it's where it's there are many themes, but to me, one of the strongest is just this is a snapshot of what life was like in this area at this time. Yeah. Um, now I, I do have to admit, and sorry, Diana, I'm more partial to '70s Hollywood than I am the, the area the era shown in Mank. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we'll never podcast again. But, um, <laughs> but 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 so so I, I I walked away. Admittedly, I walked away from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, thinking, "Wow, I could have spent many more hours just exploring that world." Mm, Mac, yeah. I felt pretty satisfied that I got a good holistic view of uh, at least this region and what was going on there at the time. So mm-hmm. I, perhaps that's the selling point to someone who isn't as attracted to that era. Is just like it still gives you a good idea of what was happening. That's yeah. an interesting comparison to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because there are a lot of cameos of people who are very, mm-hmm. very famous that are just going to go by people and, and it's not that important to know. Like that writer's room is an incredible huh. writer's room. And there's a little bit of like, 
Why, Ben Hecht, when you go crazy, it's going to be on the front page. Front page, you say? I mean, <laughs> is that a, the are you, tiny. Are you telling bit. me that's the writer of the front page? Yes, ah, yes, I am. I, and the yeah, original Scarface. Over, over my head as well, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, when you've got like Ben Hecht and George Kaufman and Eddie Cantor showing up and <laughs> someone really going into it about like everyone knows that Eddie Cantor and George Kaufman hated each other. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I don't know where these people are. Everyone. And uh, but uh, yeah, but uh, but if you know, if you catch some of those names and and they resonate, you know, you'd be like, ooh. But you don't have to know them. Hmm. But, but maybe, I mean, the, the world of Sinclair. Maybe maybe read more about him when you're done. Oh hell he yeah, got some good ideas. He sure did. And, and... Maybe we shouldn't all have a rat poop and dead people in our food. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and, and why wild casting there? I, that was spoiled from you yeah, before the great. film because yeah. they they showed it because they showed his face on set. They don't really see it in the film. Bill Nye, <laughs> Bill, Bill Nye, the hammer and sickle guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, can I just say that uh, I think Charles Dance that's be one yeah. of the best casting, the best heavy actors of his generation. Yeah, like he mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. does genteel menace like nobody else I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, like every time I see him on screen, I feel like I owe him money. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I feel like you should be telling, uh, you know, an '80s Mel Gibson that you know you don't have any idea what he's talking about, and your security will show him out of the building. Diplomatic <laughs> immunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is really good. I really like Amanda Seyfried. Because... I think it's the best thing I've ever seen her in. I, yeah. I, I, I don't. Well. If you haven't seen Lovelace, that's Mm-mm. a fucking really good no. underrated movie about uh, Linda Lovelace, the porn actress. Um, if you haven't seen Ted or Ted, Ted Two, too, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, it, it's tough to capture Marion Davies's thing because she was an actress who mostly did kind of fun light comedy, and then she's you know with this much older man, and he wants to see her in these prestige dramas, and it's just like. There's another movie that takes place in the 20s about her with Kirsten Dunst. And it's like, that's pretty good casting, too. It's like, she's someone who's like fun and fun to be around. And like this this version of her, she's just like, yeah, I do want to hang out with her. But <laughs> I also am not crazy about your scene, man. I don't know. I think part of the appeal of the movie to me is to be a, I want to be a non-celebrated millionaire writer who has a publicly tolerated alcohol problem. That's... <laughs> the, that's <laughs> I want to. I want to hang with that person. Oh boy, just day drunk, yeah. day drunk, driving myself around, getting in accidents, not getting in trouble, <laughs> rigging oh, up systems so that you can still get your booze yeah, while you're stuck in, in your bed. bed. You rag scam. Yes. <laughs> boys will be boys. Uh, yeah. but, <laughs> but again, as you know, again as a biopic, you know, take a, a small piece of time. Yeah. Make it also about a larger theme, uh, and it keeps it moving. It's sort of light and fun, and it's not. Just like we are making the most important film of our time. Yeah, yeah, and because like Orson Welles is barely. I was shocked how little he is in it. Oh, barely. Because yeah, I, I thought I was gonna get. I, I'm gonna learn the whole process behind them writing collaboratively, and like that never fucking happens. 
He shows up in his shitty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I can only really recall even the one scene. He just shows up basically says, great. Thanks for the script. Goodbye. Like he yeah. just, yeah. you yeah. bastard. You think you're going to take credit from me? I'm going to be, we'll be in a wine commercial now. <laughs> in 30 years. And <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's, and it's still like an open question. Like how much of Orson Welles and Herman Mankiewicz is in the script. And, mm -hmm. and the, the best way I heard it was uh, Ben Mankiewicz. He's just like, Orson Welles is the director. Duh. Like, of course he read the script and distilled it to his vision. What do you, what, what, there's nothing to argue about here. <laughs> he had a co-writer. Big deal. Um, yep. <laughs> but what are you drinking? Paul Masson champagne? This is swill! <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was, what was that? Was that Slate who had the, uh, <laughs> uh, the oral history of the drunk Orson Welles wine commercial? <laughs> God, that was such a, just to have that some of that dispelled, awesome. he, he said he might not have been drunk, just, De sleep deprived and on sleeping pills. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that one, and I'm a fan of the uh, what is it, the frozen peas radio ad that he yes. does. Oh, yeah. Another if great you, one. If you can say that out loud, I will go down on you. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> All of natural goodness and green penis. You may. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> But but Mank, uh, um, I, I had it also, written. Like, I just want to start fewer visual allusions to Citizen King that I was just yeah. waiting. With like a yeah. shot list and, and a pen to start checking them off. Yeah. Like, come on, Fincher. I know you're influenced by this movie. Jesus no Christ. No one claps funny. Bravo even once. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be fun to write a screenplay. <gasps> <laughs> I didn't see a single snow globe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that part of it for me was getting used to like, oh, they're really not going to do what Diana just said. I, mm -hmm. I thought it would be this, uh, this, this, more modern version of RKO two eighty one, and it very much is not. And I, yeah. I, I just wish that movie was available for more people. It's like totally gone, even though I think it's on YouTube. But Aww, that's yeah. fun. Yeah, so what made made for HBO? Making it is, of. and it was only ob obtainable fun. on DVD if you bought the ninety dollars Citizen Kane box set. It was included, oh. but it's, it was never available for sale on its own. But it's Liev Shriver, otherwise known as me, uh, playing Orson Welles, and it's a I I think it's a great film. And this yeah. is this is not that though, and it, it's really. I think it leans more towards period piece than it does towards biopic or behind mm -hmm. the scenes of Citizen Kane. And, but that could be ultimately more satisfying that it doesn't pick one road to walk. Yeah. As long as Diana loved it, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Eddie Cantor hated George Kaufman. Everyone knows this. But yes, Mank was the um, untold story of a very important person behind a very important film. However, there are many untold stories uh, behind many less important films only moderately less and we have one of those right now cut 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 it was an industry in its infancy we got a hollywood mega franchise that needs help here we gotta find someone to save this picture and there was only one man for the job well 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 it's about time boners inserted himself or should i call you peter please it's the roaring 80s Call me Boners. 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 You're telling me there's a guy who was a medium cool, the Bob Newhart show, and an episode of Parks and Rec, and he's really named Peter Boners? Yeah, but forget all that jizz. He's directing now. 
Peter Boners has the stroke, and Police Academy 6 City Under Siege ain't gonna direct itself. With a cinematic dynasty on the line, Boners was there to fill the hole. Oh no, Boners! Steve Gutenberg has passed, and the sound effects guy wants more money! Then he can suck it. Gutenberg, too. I'm making this picture my way, even if it has to start Tackleberry. When things got sticky, Boners was there to spread the load. They say if Bobcat Goldthwait doesn't come back, the studio's gonna go down for good. But we have to try, dammit. The script is superb. We got Hightower out of rehab, mark my words. Once I cover the set in the old Boners juice, this is gonna be the one they'll remember me for. It's about rising up. You don't care a lick about the Police Academy series. All you care about is Boners, Boners, Boners. I want the credit, dammit. I've earned that much. You're through in this town, kid. Boners in the bottom are about to become best pals. It's a story about pushing through the curtains. Why, Boners, it's all that's on anyone's lips. You think you'll be able to pull out if things get too hairy? Trust me, once we put Boners in their eye, they're not going to be able to see anything else. Boners. Coming soon. His name's really Peter Boners? That's two dick names in one! Eh, it's pronounced Bon Airs, but that's not as funny. But he did seriously direct Police Academy 6. Welcome back. Uh, it is, we are in the Minari Zone, uh, which is really Ooh. fun to say. And probably just a lapse in their marketing that they didn't think of it. You gotta be taken to the Minari Zone. <laughs> um, a, a film I have to imagine is difficult to market. In fact, I, I can't even really play the trailer from it because... Although set in America, it's the most subtitled movie that we have, and we have a movie featuring mostly deaf people, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and well, it's, yeah. it's pretty shocking. But but Benari, Minari, I, I don't want to I don't want to go behind the scenes and say the order of which I watched the films, but I, I did Minari. I think a big disservice by watching it in the middle of my tragedy binge, and this in particular was just like. Stop doing bad things to these Korean people just trying to make it in America. Holy shit. Give them a break. But maybe that's the point. Uh, uh, yeah. Like a real, uh, an immigrant story that is also uh, told during, oh, I'm the age of David in the film, uh, the the young son. It, it's during the 80s. So like I'm kind of yeah. his age. So it's a, a, a nifty little period piece for me. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I've seen many, Korean American immigrant stories. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I read that it was. It's like a semi autobiographical story. It that is, would have, yeah. Which is why a lot of it unfolds from the perspective of David, this this little kid. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, yeah. But I love that it's not specifically about Korean immigrants. It could you could make the same movie yeah. about a white family. Yeah. It's just about you know people trying to. To build something, to build a life that's better. Yeah, you know, it never to, really to trying to turn you know turn a piece of land into a working farm. It never and... it never delves in that category. And the only clip I was gonna I did the only English clip in the trailer is that kid telling David, "Why does your face look flat?" And like, well, I'm not using that one. But but like, uh, I was gonna say some of the English lines aren't so nice. Although that. I did find that scene particularly interesting when the family, mm -hmm. they go to a, 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 you know, they're in uh, it's Arkansas, I believe. So yeah. the church yeah. they go to is going to be English speaking. In 1983. Um, yeah. yeah. What I found so interesting about that scene was that, you know, so the kid asks, the the, the, um, the Arkansas kid asks, 
David was your face so flat. There's the other girl who says, hey, stop me when I say something in your language and then just basically mm-hmm. just goes through a list of syllables. Yeah, like uh, um, things the president would do to describe an Asian yeah, uh, accent. Basically. Former but, president. But, the th- but what I found so fascinating about that scene was that like, because those lines are coming from children, they are not coming from a hateful place. Like when the girl, she like, as she's going through that string of syllables, um, I don't recall the, the, the Korean sister's name, but she goes, Oh, that word, that means like aunt or something like that. Cool. And she, and the girl stops. She's like, Oh, that's so cool. Like, so it's, it's, I I suppose perhaps they're repeating things. Maybe their parents had said, but it really does come across in like a genuine childlike curiosity of like, Mm. Oh, you look different for me what's uh, tell me some different things about you and so i found that scene to be like very very captivating for that reason yeah yeah Yeah. i was i think a lot of people might be expecting it to be about racism yeah and no it totally is not it's not about overcoming racism it's about uh, overcoming adversity to try to reach the american American dream dream. i I, i'm actually pretty floored by the idea that like it is fairly incidental overall that they're korean because it is just people struggling with no connections to achieve the American dream I, in the middle of nowhere. I don't know that I quite agree with that. Like, I don't, I don't know if I, I you think could really I, map this onto other families. And I say that it's, because it's because the, I, uh, the, the what the, the guy, the director wrote about is be, he was trying to write about his parents' lack of intimacy or like mm-hmm. inability to know how to support one another during all of this, in the, in this the stuff. <laughs> and like, that is, that is unique. You don't ever see the, the husband and wife embrace or, and they, they, it's not just that they argue, it's just that they don't really seem to like one another very much, which, yeah. Yeah. but, but that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy though, that it, it is such a strongly Korean American film. Like yeah. those, like those two, mm. like Korean and American, like th- mm-hmm. those two elements are so strongly infused. And that's like what we were saying. A lot of the stories told through David's eyes, um, you know, it's, it's, we get pieces of all of all the family, maybe less the sister than the rest of them. But yeah, um, I, I had actually a little bit of a problem with that. That Anne was such a non-character. Basically, mm, she's yeah. shows up a couple times. Mostly, she just seems really uptight. Her role is to say like, "We have to get to church. Get away from the creek." And, like she, <laughs> yeah. she's just sort of yeah. uh, as <laughs> as, a, a as an older sister, I was waiting for her to full on snap and go nuclear on everyone. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like. Get out of my room. Nobody listens to me. What is wrong with all of you? <laughs> but like it, nope, it being from their perspective. She's too supportive. She's such a good daughter. It, Not it like being me. from their perspective, I just I found so interesting because it um because they are bilingual and then in many respects also bicultural children. Like mm-hmm. the way that those two things often clash in the movie, I just find really interesting. And in ways where like, you know, when the grandmother shows up, she's she brings many things that are uh, you know, old world that the kids are not into at all. Yeah. So like, it's like the way that <laughs> like you're crying over anchovies. Yeah, like the way the American <laughs> dream and a lot of that traditionalism, like kind of butt heads, I yeah. found like very, very fast, like just this beautiful slice of life from a perspective yeah. that I wouldn't get otherwise. Um, Even though she's event- she's eventually that- warped to like love Mountain Dew and professional wrestling, so that's why yes, the that's, grandmother that's is my favorite character. Watching <laughs> watching <laughs> professional I, wrestling I, from that like perfect squat. That that she does. <laughs> I love I love the grandma. She she's yeah. my absolute favorite character in this. Yep. I love mm-hmm. that she mm-hmm. just relentlessly tries to win David over. Mm-hmm. You, you know, mm-hmm. and and not not like you know in a in a very deliberate way. Just like no, why would you punish him? No, yeah. David and I get along fine. It was fun drinking pee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, I, just her. I'm sorry. I will be a normal grandma from here on out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, out of all these, it's probably the funniest of, of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of all that slice of life type stuff. And I mean, this yeah. is literally it's the kind of movie I want to see more. Like where I said, yes. this, this could have just been white people and we're going to make this farm work. And it's to, to have more to it than that, to bring in, you know, grandma coming over from Korea and that way she can help out. But also, if she's making me drink tea and I don't want it, and why can't you be a normal grandma? Why it's got deer <laughs> antlers in it? Yeah. <laughs> like, why can't you bake cookies instead of play cards and yell? Come on. Yeah, yeah I, I was, uh, would appreciate her. Oh yeah. yeah. There was all that that debate too. I mean, I I feel like it was pretty one sided debate about like what category it ought to be in too. Mm-hmm. At yeah. least there was for a time, and like, no, absolutely, this, this should just be it. it this is an American film. the it parasite is, category, American, bitch. That's yeah, that's it true. is an American story about immigrants in America. Like you know, yes. if just because it has subtitles doesn't change that. You know, Look, if, if yeah. Godfather Two can be nominated, hey, so can yeah. this. Good and, point. And actually, Chris, you brought up Parasite. I would uh. I mentioned the father is kind of like my third place. That's because Minari is, is tied for my first. Like I would love to see yeah, this me, win. I, uh, I thought it was, it's a beautiful movie. It would be fantastic to see Koreans win two years in a row. I just think that'd be really, <laughs> that'd be, so that'd be great. Cool. I love repeats. That's, that's why cool I'm that backing this. It's just a yeah. giant fuck you. It took them 92 years to have a foreign language film win. And it's an Asian film, which I think Parasite was the first Asian or f- film from Asia nominated for best picture and then it fucking wins and to, yeah to two-peat it i've just Crouching like, Tiger was would love to see it uh yeah and it, it just what a fun what a fun time for S- steven yoon man i like i really yeah, really like that yeah. guy i love him he i love invincible is one of my favorite comics currently being adapted by amazon very well and yeah, yeah, and really good. I, about twice a year, I watch him in one of my favorite sketches on "I Think You Should Leave" because he didn't wipe his hands after taking <laughs> giant mud pies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It was it's one of my favorite. Is that the receipt one? <laughs> yeah, that the receipt sketch. Eat yeah. the receipt. Eat the receipt. If you have. <laughs> yeah. Or also look up him taking Conan O'Brien to a Korean bathhouse. Yes, <laughs> I, I actually. Yes, that's a good one. I'll, I'll, I I was looking up because I just wanted to make sure I got his. Like I met this guy. I met no. this guy. Remember when future we, our old job was doing all that Walking Dead stuff, and I was basically like flying around the country, like doing shit with Robert Kirkman. We were handling, I think, like licensed the comic, so we had all this Walking Dead artwork, and it was right in the first season of the show when the show came out. So it was just very lucky that our little company had the license to all this Walking Dead shit when the show was becoming a phenomenon, which we have nothing to do with. But we had a little uh uh party and i remember it was glenn was always one of my favorite characters from the walking dead this is neither here nor there i shouldn't even be telling but but uh but uh we were at comic-con and it was the same it was this literally the same week i lost the rights to the bambi music that made laser time uh <laughs> it was the hundredth issue came out where that horrible thing happens to glenn which would eventually happen to him on the show so Everyone's just walking around asking poor Steve, like, did you read the hundredth issue? You're so <laughs> fucked. And, like, <laughs> you're, you're, and and you can you can watch Veronica interview him on video somewhere on the on the red carpet where she like alludes to it and you can just his reaction is so funny to me, man. I'll never forget that. Like him poor Steve having to walk around like uh knowing what might happen. I didn't think the the comp the, the show didn't follow the comic. I thought they might deviate. They it turns out they did not. And it's one of the Worst things to happen to one of my favorite characters ever. Sorry, that's my Stephen 
in memory of, <laughs> but I, I'm just, I've always really liked that guy. I love him when he shows up and stuff and he's showing up in so much stuff. And that makes me yeah. profoundly happy. And I would uh, love to see him, I'd love to see him win. He's me too. Up for it. I'd love to see it happen. Me too. And, and I, I find it really, I, I felt, found myself very mad at this movie but, you know, I've taken a lot of writing classes and you're supposed to do terrible things to your characters and this movie never stops. And I don't know that <laughs> yeah. things get better for them. I hope that they do. But I, I find myself mad because I watched this in too close a setting with a, some of the other films. But it's about perseverance. Yes, like, it they is. get yeah. through each of these, like every every struggle that's put before them, like they, they kind of just grind through it. Yeah, and I think and that's... Even at the very end, they're still just kind of grinding through it. It's like, we'll adapt, we'll survive. That is, I think yeah. that's ultimately the thesis of the film. Like family, uh, fi- family helps you through and mm-hmm. shit sucks. You'll get through it and I just... I don't know. I really love your point, Diana. This is this this beautiful American story that just so happens to star Koreans. Uh, it it is a bunch of people yeah. trying to dig out their little American hole uh, in a way that many other people have tried with farming. And, and I, I don't even mm-hmm. know if we've accurately described the plot of the film, but it's like it's also kind of difficult. Just it's it's about a family struggling in the eighties, trying, but also to, develops a, a niche idea to to grow Korean vegetables in Arkansas to sell to the burgeoning immigrant movement in uh, in and around mm-hmm. whatever you would call Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas. Neat. And I love yeah. Korean food so much, so I'm behind that too. <laughs> 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 uh, and uh, I, I did also like I wanted to just give a shout Will Patton. I what a fun oh what a fun yeah. what a fun role for him. Like I just every time I look at him I'm like he's got to be having so much fun. Is he Paul? Yeah, yeah. is he un- unhinged? Guy? That Paul was down uh, the road, the dirt road every time. This is my church. <laughs> <laughs> and if I didn't say it, written and directed by Lee Isaac Chung, uh, semi-autobiographical. He had tried to license a book uh, that was similar, and the woman's like, "I don't option my books to be adapted in a film." So he's like, "Oh, well, I might have one of these stories in me," and found one based on uh, his his upbringing as a, I guess, being a first generation Korean born to Korean immigrants in, in Southern America, which I, I don't think enough about. I worked in an Asian restaurant. Um, it's one of the longest jobs I've ever had, but it, it's got to be a little strange. Growing up in the South of all places, you, I go out to California, it's like no one really cares, but like Southerners are weird. And I have to imagine every immigrant has an odd story adapting to yeah. Southern stuff. And I also want to compliment the film for that. Uh I love beautiful Southern imagery like that. And, and just, you can mm. tell when they shoot on location because everyone tries to use that one fucking Fox Planet of the Apes area as the woods in every state. Um, but it doesn't look very Southern at all. Uh, this gorgeous shots of the uh, untainted South. And I, I always find that very yeah. pretty. And and I have to say, like, as much as the mom can be read as like the traditional stumbling block, like, I don't believe in you. Ah, I'm going to hate complain about this every step of the way. Oh, you bad. and your crazy dreams. Exactly. <laughs> that she's, I, I, I totally relate to her. Like, yeah. you're going to move your family out in the middle of fucking nowhere to a possibly cursed farm in <laughs> Arkansas, hillbilly <laughs> country. And there, we we don't have any support system. Our son is deathly ill. The hospital's an hour away. What the fuck are you thinking? Yeah, it's just because you want to be rich. Like, let me look. I was happy just finding chicken genitals. 
Like, <laughs> chicken sex. God, that's so depressing. They yep. did talking about like what happens to male chicks when they're they're sexing them. Like, eh, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a sad thing. Don't don't read about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, this uh, yeah emerged as a front runner for me for one of my favorites. Um, yeah, of the year. yeah. T- tied mm-hmm. for my my frontest runner. Front frontest runner. Um, don't spoil yeah. it. We'll tell everybody at the end. Oh, but okay. <laughs> with that, it's time to get into the Minari sketch, which I believe is another song parody. Ah, yes. We're really scraping the barrel this year. Well, I mean, we always, we, yes, we do have that talk behind the scenes um, about is it okay for one of us to play, you know, non-white parts, given that hmm. we're, most of us are usually a bunch of whites in Every time I like talk about it, I'm like, my excuse is the same as a Hollywood producer. Like, I would like to do better, but I don't want to work harder. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to cold call people. Hey, would you do this for no money? Um, mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah. How well can you sing? <laughs> <laughs> How well can you sing for nothing? Um, but but yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm part of the problem. But, you know, we're at least trying to be better. So Minari sketch. Here you go. Minari is a celery Grows near the farm of Mr. Yee Ten years he stared at chicken butts Moved to Arkansas and now his wife thinks he's nuts California was the place to stay Hospitals are just too far away What if David's heart were to just stop? One tornado could wipe out the whole damn crop. Huge fields. House wheels. Free wells. Mom smells. Don't burn that trash. Now everything is ash. Minari is still there. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, Oscar time. I think we're at the halfway point. Huzzah. Surely Yay. huzzah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, with that, we got to talk about Nomadland, Nomadland, uh, the story of a ter- nomad land. Everyone's glad the story of Aww. a terrible theme park. And as much as I wanted to do a, a song parody with Billy Joel's no man's land, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, Nomadland, um, directed by Chloe Chow. Do you say that's the pronunciation on that? Yeah. Uh, like Chow. Uh, based uh, if, on, if my quick searching of, of hearing people say it is to be believed. Based on the book... I guess uh, Chow or Zhao. I, yeah. I would have said it Zhao, but whatever. Based on the book Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century by Jessica Abrutter, I think a nonfiction book, and starring yeah. pretty much only Frances McDormand and just mm. other than... Is it David Stratham? Is he in this? Yeah. Uh, other than him, it just looks like a lot of amateurs and just regular it's folk found actors it is. yeah um, yeah and it's actual vanners who are playing themselves are in you, a lot okay of cases. uh but yeah, yeah no the, no man the guy uh the guy who's like the, the the guru to them is the real life guru of that lifestyle wow and i believe the woman who like dies and they have the funeral for her is still alive in real life wow. even though she was playing herself Thank conversely God. one of them actually has passed away since um they don't, I don't doubt recall it. her name but but uh, uh, a little clip of Nomadland yeah. to bring you into the scene. You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. I and they sometimes call you nomads. 
My mom says that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. Yeah. Uh, um, I, 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 again, this movie's a real recent watch for me, but... Oh, it's tough, but I feel my it, it growing on me a little more. I remember just having a, a, little, a minor discussion text I had with Tony just because, um, like, eh, a glimpse of the future of America, and you're just like, yeah, kind of admire someone who can just pull up and just abandon everything and go wherever they want, and it's just like, mm-hmm. like, shut up, Tony, and like, wait a minute, I think that that ultimately <laughs> is like the perspective the movie is coming from. It, mm. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I, mean, it's, I, I couldn't. It's do kind that of showing both sides of it, like a. a yeah. You know, part of it is sort of like that does sound kind of fun. You know, oh, well, see, and I'm there's un- people who do that all the time. There's RVs and you rent them for like a week and it's fun. I'm under the perspective then, of someone during no. the pandemic who is now living someone who is jobless, supporting four pets, and kind of slowly going broke and draining myself. And we bought a camper so she could do her job in that in lieu of any of them opening again. And I just look out and imagine myself having to live in it if this all gets even worse. So that, mm-hmm. so uh, that's that was my perspective coming into it. Like I'm not close to living out of a van, but it's it's literally an option I'm looking at all the time now because of the stupid mm-hmm. camper my girl's cutting heads in until uh, <laughs> salons open back up again. But uh, yeah, I, I I got mad and, and more. And, but then also like silly, like why would Amazon <laughs> participate in this? Because like. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. That's that's the big uh, controversy on this one is mm. that she's one of the things that uh, Frances McDormand's character does. You know, I mean, she voluntarily she chooses to live in this van mm-hmm. and drives around and follows seasonal work. And one of the places is the Amazon fulfillment center around Christmas because that's when they're hiring extra people. And they even have like a program for where she can go park her van in the trailer park to come Aww. in as a seasonal they worker. Thought of everything. Van force or camper force or something. Yeah. And and they film inside the fulfillment center, and the, the the controversy is, they didn't make it look bad. No, it looks very like, oh, this is great. I yeah, and, well, and amazingly, also she talks this was, about it mm-hmm. as if it's like, no, that's a real good job. I like that job. Yeah, yeah, because well, it's probably. I mean, it could be just because it's not farm labor. Oh, I didn't. I didn't see that at all because, like, what I saw is like the movie. Very, I, I don't know. Like, got to tip my hat. You got part of the problem in the movie about the problem and you got yeah. them to like sign off on it. Uh, yeah. This, this is yeah, the future of unskilled studios release. It was Hulu. <laughs> this is the future of Amazon fulfillment centers are the future of unskilled labor. And it's not a good one. And it involves entire town populations disappearing. If, if they're lucky living in their fucking vans and, yeah. and, and they but got also, Amazon to sign I off. Mean, on it. Yeah. But it's like part of, part of the theme kind of of the movie is that she used to also live in a company town yeah and the company went under Mm -hmm. and so is she just is this the future of company towns they don't even have a town they just have a big parking lot you gotta live in your van now yeah things are getting even worse i suppose unskilled labor is fair to some degree of Mm -hmm. that too but i think it's also just to look at at temp labor i mean like as Mm -hmm. we said she's Mm -hmm. you know she goes to do it just during holiday season and that seemed to be the case for n- not necessarily the workers that that they feature in that scene, but for a couple of the the uh, like minded, you know, uh, nomads, they seem to do the same thing. You know, they just this is what I do to get the bit of money I need for the year, and then I'm out. Mm-hmm. Then I go do mm-hmm. what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, and she just kind of spends time driving around until she runs low on money. Then she gets some some job like you know cleaning up a rest stop or whatever, or moving <laughs> rocks. Oh my god, yeah. Mm. <laughs> 
Why are you hiring an older lady to move rocks? And how old yeah. is Frances McDormand in this? I was having trouble here because I have, my girlfriend's a little younger than me, and I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, she's not my parents' age or my age. Stop it. Uh, she is sixty. Mm-hmm. I would. Yeah, guess. she's around 60, 63. I she's sixty-three. Sixty-three. Yeah. Uh, why would you hire? I, it just. I don't know. I thought it was like all pretty painful to look at, but the music and her general positivity made it a, a fun, yeah. memorable watch. I, I mean, I think what we're seeing is is a woman who's slowly growing accustomed to that life. Like yeah. she is new to it. Whereas mm-hmm. all the all the fellow Vanners she interacts with have been doing it for some time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- those people uh, inspire her, or teach her things along the way. And, you know, in the same way that so many of these films give you just a look at a, at a perspective you're probably not familiar with, mm-hmm. this yeah. gives you a really great slice of that van life that I found really interesting. Like, it's certainly not for me, but, you know, as I told you in that text conversation, Chris, like I see it and I admire somebody who can make this yeah. their way of after life. The, after the just... pandemic, I'm officially too fat for no air conditioning. So like, <laughs> <laughs> this is like somewhere between a drama and a documentary. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it, it has a sort yeah. of documentary feel and it, there is a cinema verite element to it because she is talking to people who are actually living this life and are playing characters, but are playing characters based more or less on themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and talking about their experiences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like there's also that like there there are scenes that are like testimonials, basically, where they're just like talking to someone on camera and telling their stories. Yeah, yeah, they, they essentially um, goaded is not the you know really the right word for the connotation here, but but yeah, essentially did a documentary style of setup, however, filmed it with your lenses, lighting, etc., so that it looks like a feature, not a documentary. But you can tell mm. that's literally what they did was they sat down and they said. They, they they would ask them questions like you can tell that is what happened before the camera rolled mm-hmm. yeah and, and then yeah and, got and Francis again Mc- a, another one that you might go into it thinking oh my god this is going to be such a bummer but it's not a polemic about homelessness no right it's more uh, of a character story yeah. yeah but i would i will say in my opinion it is the slowest of the eight Slowest movie. Yeah. 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 It, it is the one my girl after taking on a whirlwind tour of national treasure Francis McDormand because uh, we were going to watch it, and she's like, who's that? And I'm like, I fucking hate you. And we, we should, <laughs> and, and so, like, here we go. It was okay, just we're like, going to start with Blood Simple. Blood Simple <laughs> into Fargo, Almost Famous, uh, Three Billboards. And, yeah. and, 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 then, and then now watch this national tre- – I, I bet you would never thought you'd see this Oscar-winning national treasure shit in a bucket. But it's – here <laughs> here it goes. Right. Yeah. It's, uh that is look diana that is one of the new aspects of film i have not heard that the sounds of turds hitting things and the side of things ever on film before imagine the foley work i need to double check but i believe that was also like an unplanned scene like basically she like it started happening she was like get the camera how else are we gonna get a scene like this and she just went and did that like oh, I believe that really happened. Like really? actual diarrhea on camera. Please tell yeah, me. I, I, tell uh, me it's being auctioned somewhere. I, like I need to double check, but I'm fairly certain there's there's a degree of reality to this. Hey, Patreon. Or just her thinking. Oh wait, this would happen. Let's just film this. Patreon.com/slash Laser Time. Help us buy Francis McDormand's poop. <laughs> it's out there somewhere. Yeah. I think it was a couple of scenes before that where they're talking about, yeah, having your own, you know, little toilet bucket. Mm-hmm. And the lady who's like giving a little talk about the toilet bucket stuff mentions just like, you know, most people, they get the five gallon, but you know, that's a pretty big one. Now I live in a Prius, so I use the two gallon and I was like, 
poop smell in a Prius? <laughs> in pretty much any How part. How do you live in a Prius? When you yeah. yell that phrase, it kind of sounds like a B-52's lyric. <laughs> I, uh, poop smell in a Prius. Poop smell in a Prius. <laughs> I... I can barely drive in a Prius, and I have one. Uh, I have to look. Da- I have to look down to see stoplights. Uh, I have no idea how I would take a dump inside of one. And I, I was hoping. I was. I was hoping you were going to go into it. I didn't know what that woman was saying. And I've shit outside before, never in a bucket. You, you dig mm-hmm. a hole for fuck's sake. Uh, I did look it up because I wanted to verify. Yes, Francis McDormand got an upset stomach from dinner and really did that. Hell yeah! Good Hell yeah! Wow, That's that is great. some method acting. Yeah. Yeah, that's why she's the best. Not afraid to fucking shit on camera. Oh God, yeah. Is it okay? Now I have to. Now we have another laser time topic in order. People who have really shit on camera. Jeff Daniels, Dumb and Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it was all uh, well, peed on camera on Oz, right? That's, so you've you've got yeah. that. That's true. Yes, yes. I saw a pee coming out of his dick on Oz. It was a first for me of television. <laughs> <laughs> it was not CG. <laughs> Uh, but but Nomadland, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think if I'm really trying to think if I'd ever watch it again because uh, it is it is the most rewatchable. I think yeah. there's uh, well, just that there's like I don't need everything to be like like a, a feel good movie and just because it's bad times. But there is like something beautiful about Nomadland and uh, positive. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it doesn't have a bad ending. It doesn't have a good ending. It just has an ending. And it's also largely more positive than a lot of the other things here. You're not watching like a cavalcade of bad things happening to Francis McDormand's character. Yeah, like, she gets a bit yeah, of both. She, yeah, it's, and 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 it's, it begins like yeah, it begins with her just sort of like being thrust into this life, and you know she, she her her husband died, uh, the company town shut down, she lost her house and. So she's she's in a van and seems to be a little bit reluctant but optimistic about it. And mm-hmm. then she adapts to it and we go through and a year later she's like, you know, I'm comfortable this is what I want to be doing right now. Because she never got the chance to really wander. And she she has yeah. a, a little bit of a sad story that like to move on and yeah. do anything else would change who she was and who she is. Mm-hmm. But along the right. way, she meets so many people yeah. who are there, you know, whatever circumstance led them to choose to choose this life too. so many people who are just so enthusiastic and happy about it that it, re- you know, it's it's it sort of balances that out, I guess. I- I'm yeah. sold as long as I can still do VGA in 302010. I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in some ways we have an, a yet another version of the American dream. Yeah. The, the idea yeah. of I can go anywhere. The what? wide open plains and i just ride my horse to the nearest star it's it's, it's definitely bob wells dream like he's there's <laughs> a reason he's the guru of that lifestyle it's it's everything malcolm reynolds talked about in firefly just yeah. trying to do my thing in my own verse and yeah. and, <laughs> and this also convinced me like man i kind of want to visit wall drug one of these days <laughs> yes, <great>. absolutely <laughs> i want to get a burger at the drugstore how how good yeah, could that yeah. be well like if you, like reading about wall drug is like this is one of it's, south dakota's premier tourist it's real yeah it's oh, real yeah, yeah. it's yeah. basically like okay imagine a mall but operated by one business that's wall yeah. drug <laughs> wow With, like dinosaurs and shit <laughs> Yep. Oh, I just, I automatically thought that was like from Pee Wee's Big Adventure in the Wizard. Not nope. in California. Nope. No, that's a real different place. one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They're, they're cooking in the real kitchen. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. Back in the day, that, that was a 
Roadside attractions, man. You got to get people off the highway and stop, use the bathroom, get something to eat. And that is uh, it'd be signs for hundreds of miles in mm -hmm. each direction, 60 miles to wild. Neither, neither here nor there. I love roadside attractions. I've driven out yeah. from Florida to California twice and I saw one and I remember I'm going to move back to Florida. I'm going to go to all these weird roadside attractions that used to be here and film them and put them on YouTube. I'm like, they're all gone. They're all yep. gone. They don't exist the interstates, anymore. Interstates, man. Fucking interstates, interstates. and flying. Mm -hmm. Do you know what this is a sad state of affairs? You know what one of the few roadside attractions remaining is? Because I just got a photo of it today. I have a mm -hmm. buddy who's on sort of an anniversary road trip with his lady. And Flintstone every Park? McDonald's has oh. golden arches, except one in Sedona. Uh, yeah, which the original has turquoise blue uh, arches. Oh, wow! Yep. Wow. I, I, depending on where they're driving, I was. If it's I ninety five, it's Pedro south of the border. <laughs> Maybe I'm not quite sure where they are, but he's really that. a place. Like, Glad you got to see this. <clears throat> It is the most corporate roadside attraction <laughs> possibly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and and uh, before I forget, um. One of the things I didn't learn that I actually really appreciated until shit very recently, um, the desert. Like I'd never spent any time in a desert despite living in California and having visited Arizona and New Mexico, but you know, it's all touristy stuff or city life. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I went out like I I think I said it on if you listen to bonus time, patreon.com slash laser time. I got my flight canceled and I'm stuck in uh 27 palms and i just had to spend oh, yeah 29 a, a, palms 29 I had to spend a day by myself and just walking around the desert and it was like fucking cathartic i figured out things i found a toilet and thought it was profound it's like it's a very strange <laughs> it's on my instagram i found a toilet in the middle of the desert just like do, going on an hour-long hike do to i nowhere. have to visit the first 28 palms before <laughs> i can go to that one um no, you're but not going to follow the story if you don't. Go yeah, there. one of the one of now, the. Last... I wonder because there's like a big air base down there, and I imagine someone just stole a toilet and was like, "Let's put it five miles out." Just to <laughs> yes. If they find it, they're going to be like, "Oh my god!" This are this toilet. is going to be our monolith, okay. man. We're going to get up. We're going to trend. <laughs> I got I got the ultimate found in the desert story for you. you. Ready for this? Yes. I was oh. coming back from like a UCB something here in in New York and. Where I'm walking past me and my buddy Martin, and we walk past this sort of like glass storefront, and we look inside, and there's like uh like a New York subway train car, and it's all like decked out and like graffiti, whatever. It's all painted up, like you don't even see oh. the original train yeah. at, under it anymore. And I read the plaque: that New York City subway car was found in the middle of the Arizona desert. Wow, just <laughs> in the middle of the desert, looking like that. Wow, they run yes. on tracks. Yeah. How did it get there? Yeah, they can't even steer. <laughs> How do you get several states away? <laughs> That's amazing. Right? I thought that story was going to end in Ninja Turtles, but I was wrong. And why did they bring it back? Yeah. <laughs> I guess because maybe it was legally their property. I bring guess. it back. I guess. But uh, Nomadland, on, I, I liked more or more than expected, but it, it, I do find it difficult to recommend. And it's, I think it's the Oscar-nominated movie I've heard most film fans be the most iffy about like it's difficult to hate but it's hard to love the amazon thing in particular is a real thorn in the flesh i guess i to me all they did was present the amazon facilities as clean with no bodies and people dying which yeah hey would have loved to see but but it does depict them as the problem in these rural towns they will ruin yeah. these people take everything from them exploit them for all that they're worth and jeff bezos will put another story on his pool 
And <laughs> yeah, it's 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 I ridiculous. Want a six story pool. It's, it's, <laughs> no well, diving like the, at first. The sketches is kind of along those lines. There you go. Uh, speaking of Amazon and Nomadlands, uh, Jeff Bezos has a very special announcement, um, kind of just to thank Nomadland. So let's get into that right now. The following video is for Amazon employees only. Hi, I'm Jeff Bezos, and in this audio-only medium, you can't tell that I'm bald. But seriously, ladies, I'm single and ready to mingle, freshly divorced and ready to ride the horse. Look, folks, I know it's hard out there. I mean, my ex-wife left me with only a few billion, and since I will be stepping, and since I'll be stepping down from my position as CEO of Amazon soon, I wanted to take this moment to say thank you. Thank you to Nomadland for presenting my company in such a beautiful light. Chloe Chow, you made my Amazon fulfillment centers look like the dream job that deep down we all know they truly are. Deep under a few dozen boxes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier-themed COVID masks, of course. Just make sure you use the forklift when you're organizing those boxes, Gary. We can't afford to pay for any medical expenses. I have to pay alimony now. Oh, sorry, not alimony. Aloha money. I'm going to Hawaii when we're done here. So let's get a move on. Uh, Gary, can you give your testimony about working for Amazon? Uh, sure thing, Mr. Bezos. Hey, uh, my manager said I might be able to get a bonus for this. Uh, my, my son just started at University of Wisconsin. And... Uh, put a put in that for a second, Gary. Deborah, why is he naked? We turned off the AC to save money, sir. Right, right. And why does he have that look in his eye? Sort of like a frightened badger? It's his third shift, sir. In a row? Yes, sir. I see. Well, let's make sure Gary gets a nice little Kindle credit for that, huh? You got it, Mr. Bezos. Whenever you're ready, Gary. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Gary. I work at the Amazon Fulfillment Center in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. It puts food on my table and money in my pocket. Attention, Deborah. Have Gary read this prepared statement. Okay, I think we got it. Thanks, Gary. Yes, thanks, Gary. Thank you, Amazon customers, and thank you, Nomadland. Best of luck at the awards. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go pay a woman in a hula skirt to pee on my face. And remember, while I'm getting my golden shower, a job at Amazon could be your golden opportunity. Welcome back to Oscar Time 2021. Uh, home stretch, people. You're over halfway through. And, you know, as we said off mic, I think these are the three movies most people are going to end up seeing for some reason. Um, I, mm -hmm. I don't know exactly why. I think they're the most commercially viable for some reason. Yeah, we were we were talking mm -hmm. like before we got into the meat of this about uh, sort of budgets and sort of the perception of these movies. And I think specifically this one we're going to talk about right now, despite the subject matter, I feel like is the most like I I, I, I don't want to say like pop culture, like plugged in savvy, but like it just it, it has the most, I guess. Yeah, like mass appeal tone to it. I thought it was going to have a little more of that. I, I just but I honestly feel like it came out so late in 2020 i feel like they extended the deadline deadlines to include promising young woman uh, <laughs> i know that's not true because it did come out like christmas day in theaters when we had none of those but and this this does feel the most like a conventional film out of the yeah entire... i guess that's well, what i was fishing for in my maybe I, well, I thought it was going to be i find i find myself <laughs> most uh perturbed by uh promising young woman written and directed by uh, emerald fennel uh, I think more of a famous actress. If you're in a, a bunch of BBC stuff, she's like all over the place. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, no, she plays uh, Camilla Parker Bowles on The Crown. That's yeah, that's what I read. She's like more famous as an uh, actress, and I think this is her. No, she's. I think she'd written and/or directed some television before this, and starring Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, 
and a bunch of other unassuming comics playing terrible people. Christopher Mintz Platts. <laughs> I just... <laughs> McLovin. Promising Young Woman. And uh, man, I, I loved... The instant I saw this trailer, I'm in. <laughs> Every week, I go to a club. I act like I'm too drunk to stand. And every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. Okay? You are so pretty. I'm a nice guy. Oh, God. This is so... I, 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 now I'm in a position... I don't know. I want to be talked down from this, where I like the trailer and what I thought the movie was going to be. And I know I've said that several times, but like mm-hmm. this left me with a bad taste in my mouth. And I guess we should say... I don't want to. I will try and avoid spoilers unless we get there. It's the this is going to be the hardest uh, film to avoid spoilers on. Yeah, because well, yeah. I mean, I think we can talk about eighty percent of the movie without being too spoilery. I do too. But I'll say this. I'll say this. I thought I was headed into a Tarantino esque revenge movie, Hmm. right? A a pulpy Miss Forty Five, jaded woman takes it, gives it back to fucking sexual assaulters out there everywhere. I'm just, I'm still mad at how the movie resolves itself. I'm like genuinely mad because I I Mm. didn't get, I didn't get what I wanted, what I thought I was being promised. And I don't, sorry, I don't want to, I really don't want to delve into super spoilery territory. I don't know. Somebody else talk. (laughs) I'm scared. (laughs) Funny enough, most of my thoughts are about the ending too. (laughs) Because as it was sort of, as the ending was sort of approaching, I, because of one of the inciting incidents, um, not necessarily one that is presented in the film, but the one that happens in the past, mm-hmm. I had a very different idea of perhaps what our lead was going to do in yes. the climax of the film uh, in a way that was honestly making me feel very uncomfortable. Like, if this goes the way I think it's going to go, I don't know if I can watch this scene, basically. Oh, I was um, and I don't know, maybe we'll, we'll have to get more into that. I was, da- I was down for like full on things. cutting dicks off, sticking them in their mouths as mm. they cry. Oh, and mine wasn't even <laughs> that. My, my thought wasn't even that. So maybe we will talk more off mic. But uh, it uh, it's because it's not the like Tarantino-esque revenge film, though. I think what you wind mm. up with is Carrie Mulligan's character just getting one over in like that much, much more like, I, I suppose you would say like a clever way. Like it's almost mm-hmm. that, it's almost the equivalent of like, you know, when your parents were mad at you, the maddest they could be is when they weren't yelling, when it was just the quiet, like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. That's when you know you've done the worst thing you can do. And in her case, it's like she's not, like, putting these vi- putting violence back out there. She just gets one over on these guys All and right. then walks away, and they know so much worse could have happened that's, to them. But yeah, she a, was the bigger woman and didn't do that. You know what it, I mean? I agree. It yeah. is strange, though, that she continually puts herself in a very dangerous situation just to shame these guys. Well, yeah. We don't know what it is she does to them. Okay, I mean, so I'm not, there, I'm not crazy. There's a version true. of this where, like, like they just said in the trailer, she gets she acts like she's really drunk. She waits for a guy to offer to take her home. She goes home with him, acts passed out, and eventually uh, these nice guys start, you know, making the moves on her and then she shows that she's sober and f- they freak out and that's usually where that's where the scene ends we don't know that's right what happened and we next. know she has different she has colored that, marks like, and doesn't tell us yeah. what they all mean <laughs> yeah the journal right. with the different so, colored highlights yeah there's you know it's left to your imagination is she murdering them all is she castrating them all is she taking a bunch of pictures and shaming them on the internet who the fuck knows and we only ever see um, well, Bo Burnham is obviously like a love interest type character, but we only see, is it 
like uh, Sam Richards. Is that his? The yeah, Sam name? Richards. I don't remember. No, I, 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 I think he's I, the only one we see again after yeah. their scene. Well, because he doesn't end up doing anything with her in that scene. I, I do sure. love. I love the casting because. But it is notable that we don't ever see the others again, so we don't know. Right, could be. But I mean, we, we, we see we know her walking Mc... away later, eating a hot dog. Is that ketchup on her, or is that blood? Yeah, it seems like I she, don't know. It, it's difficult to know because she leaves McLovin's place, and it's like the morning, even though it's night when we last see them together. I don't, and I love, again, I love the casting. It is all like the nicest, unassuming guys <laughs> in the world yeah. that I think are very intentionally cast to like, nah, this, this happens from even guys who portray themselves as nice to everyone. Yeah. And, people but, who, who think that they're nice guys yeah. and they don't think that they're being, you know, date rapists right now. They probably think that there's some sort of assumed consent because she came home with them i mean and the, she the, just happened to fall asleep and she'll wake up and yeah. you know I'm not, i, I not, do <laughs> wonder like that you know to take a hashtag no tall men uh <laughs> perspective like <laughs> does, it, did she ever run across anyone who did the right thing and just like took her home maybe like, dropped, for the record place, i like, have already right, okay <laughs> look i i i have like you see a girl that drunk the world we live in, call them. You don't have to take them home personally. I'm trying to get hammered too. Uh, call a cab. <laughs> call an Uber. You don't have to be in the car. Just get them home. It's mm-hmm. I've done this before. What the fuck? I think I think, better yet, just make sure you're out with friends who can all look out for each other. It it, it made yes. me question like, and I, I think I I have taken someone home that is too hammered and like really left it alone, but like. What were, were, like, why not just, like, take them home and leave them there rather than, like, back to my place if I didn't well, have any uh, scummy intentions? We're, we're only seeing the scummy dude. Yeah, no, and I, what, and she's, I mean, some of that's the setup. She's not telling him where she lives. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, she's, she's putting them into this situation to put, all of the things are lining up to, 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 if they are inclined to be a predator, now is your chance. Yeah, I don't I, It's a test. And men are failing. How do you, how do you feel about the movie, Diane? I fucking loved it. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel I, I really um, felt yeah, like there was, was something. I was also oh, expecting it to be yeah a, a Tarantino uh, you know roaring rampage of revenge, and instead instead we get a incredible commentary on rape culture and yeah nice guys and can people who've done bad things truly reform and you know are is just the nature of society and gender this way that is there a solution what is the solution but also a great character study of someone who kind of like nomadland had a bad thing happen in the past and is devoting their future to it instead Mm. of moving on Mm. yeah unhealthily you i think towards the middle of the movie i'm like you should pick you should do something else yeah. You, you, well, yeah. I mean, and they also make it a point to point out, like what ha- what happened happened to like her good friend, not like right. her specifically. So even there, from the beginning, the motivation is yeah. maybe slightly skewed. But yeah, it, the, it, it where gets... the friend's mother is like, do something else. Don't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you get those perspectives on it, which I found were interesting. And you know, Diana, you brought up like um, can people be redeemed from certain things? Like Bo Burnham's mm-hmm. arc is exactly it. It analyzes that question. Um, I thought the the scene where she goes back and uh, briefly speaks to the dean, uh, who's th- that actress's name is escaping me right now. Oh, uh, um, Connie Britton. Thank you. Yes. Uh, um, so many great people have yeah, like a yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah, and where they those have that... scenes tend to be barn burners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have that like between them, the interaction is like the uh, I, I guess it's it's her the power that Connie Britton's character has, and, like in her role at that college, 
overrides her sort of sympathies as a fellow woman in a way in that scene. Mm-hmm. And I, that was mm-hmm. um, to just to, to watch the two of them discuss from that perspective. It was and very I think the, interesting. The, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, th- that's part of the point of, you know, rape culture as a thing that we all live in is, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not just men are evil. No, mm-hmm. women are like, well, she shouldn't have gotten drunk. Well, she shouldn't have put herself there. Well, it's a he said, she said. What are you going to do? What was she yeah. wearing? Like, w- women will do that same bullshit, too. Yeah. As they pointed out, as people have pointed out, it's the only crime where we immediately just question the victim every time. Yes. Of, yeah. And I think the, the notion of, uh, what do you call that, uh, default entitlement? Like, yeah, girl got herself mm-hmm. that drunk at a bar. Of course, a guy's going to take her home. What do you expect? And like. Well, maybe right. we should expect something else. And perspective is the best way I can think about this movie because again, I don't. I, I have a very hard time speaking on behalf of women, but it's. But it, it at the end of it, I, I try and reconcile some of my dissatisfaction with the film as well. Maybe a woman's version of comeuppance is different than mine, and maybe my mm-hmm. concept of a revenge movie is very toxically male. <laughs> it involves a lot of yeah. people dying and mutilation and that this movie doesn't really do any of that. Uh, yeah. Well, definitely... the comeuppance is definitely served. Oh, and, absolutely. And, and that's what, I mean, I'm, I can see a lot of people not being crazy about the ending or just how it gets to the ending, but it's the idea that she has built all these contingencies into her plan. Well, yeah. Okay. So my, no matter that, which that way think, things go, she is going to get these guys. Okay. That I think is the difference. Is I think if we had the Tarantino style revenge, there's only Plan A. There is the mm-hmm. violent way. Whereas mm-hmm. because we don't have that, as you just pointed out, Diana, she has all these conti- like the way it, the way the movie ends. I don't know that that's how she, the character intended for it to end. But because mm-hmm. it was like a Plan B, C, D, whatever, she does I, still win. I looked into it, and that's I, I think. <laughs> My dissatisfaction with the movie is because I, I, I'm trying to understand its points, but the end of the movie seems like, well, this is pointless and everything is hopeless. And even for so- the right thing to happen, someone's got to fucking die. And at, at best, you're left with this awful plan B situation. And I was reading the movie ended uh, with none of that uh, text coming in and police. Um, mm. None. Of th- it was just... The end, bad death. Yeah, <laughs> it's that old proverb about revenge and digging graves. Uh, yeah, yeah, but with, but with 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 no good feeling, and, and like they mm. they said, it was hard to find financing for the movie when that was the ending. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, I'd be so, pretty pissed off too. So I think it was a very deliberate on on account of the filmmaker, and I have to res- I seriously respect her for that vision. I just like it didn't come out. I didn't come out of this as crowd pleased as I thought I was going to be, and therefore, mm. I still think it's like a kind of a must watch, but it's something I'll never yeah. watch again. And I I really thought this is something I'd revisit over and over, if only for the mm. fact that I think at least because there are many different perspectives in the film, and at least one will probably challenge some preconceived notion sure. you have. It's worth mm. watching it for that reason. Yeah, yeah I think it's. It's a great discussion starter mm-hmm. <laughs> more than anything. It's like, not only should you watch it, make sure your friends have watched it too. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you could just say it's, uh, you know, a killjoy feminist polemic about how all men are creeps. You can see it that way. That was, I, that's, that's not how I'm seeing it. I would like to point out that's not I, how if, I see yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and if that's your opinion, I think you're you're missing some of the point and you're probably yeah. pretty sexist. But, um, yeah, I mean no character is perfect she does very terrible things to people that at least one 
no, a couple people she does things that seem like the punishment is not fitting the crime. Mm. Um, or could have gone much worse than she was anticipating. Like with Alison Brie, yeah. that could have been mm. that that could have backfired in mm. in a way that would put much more guilt on her mm. than. And than for she most of the movie, it leads you to believe that it's it was much worse than was yeah. deserved. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's just it's. I mean, she she endangers a kid an, at one point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it just it's such an interesting idea about yeah what is. You get into what is fairness? Yeah, what is justice? Yeah. What is pr proportional punishment to fit a crime? Whew, yeah, there's. It's a, difficult to talk. What about. levels of blame go to the kind of crime stuff? Yeah, it's, and and who am I to have, have going on. that? I wanted to walk into a movie theater and see guys guilty of attempted sexual assault be slaughtered. <laughs> like what? Oh, okay. So, so I like once yeah. the Allison Brie came on, like. Yeah, I feel very different about this movie than I thought I was going to walking into it. This character yeah. is complicated. They're not giving me easy solutions and they're not offering me nobody style. Hey, this guy, this guy spit on a girl and said a mean word. Therefore, Bob Odenkirk should beat them to death. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Yeah. I mean, you know, these are we're talking about eight good films here. But yeah, absolutely. This it's worth watching. It's worth watching. So you can have a discussion about it. Um don't mistakenly treat it as like a date night movie, though. It ain't that. Um, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, I had not for this film, but I had a, a similar ish experience when I went to see Bombshell and about 40 oh. minutes in, I was like, I'm going to stop holding my girlfriend at the time's hand while watching this because uh, it doesn't feel right right now. <laughs> like, we went like, this is going to be a fun one, whatever. And it was like, and then we left and I was like, OK, so uh, you, you should probably you should probably just want to talk for a bit, huh? So go for it. All this <laughs> It, so it's, it's uh just just go in knowing that like you know go in expecting especially any um you know person who may have similar experience to have thoughts and be prepared to talk about it yeah, there's just so much here to talk about and yeah. i love that yeah the movie does doesn't give you easy answers yeah it's 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 all very complicated and it it remains uh one of the the, the only movie on the list that i feel angry at but I've felt that way before about some of my favorite movies. Like, like uh, angry in a sense, like you're let down by the film, or just because the material no, made you angry. No, because like, and you know, for I have to, I have to extend some trust here that the filmmaker. This is this is their truth or what they wanted to say, and it doesn't matter if I didn't get the ending that I wanted. And there were, I just feel like there were so many endings I would have preferred than the one the one that we got. Oh fuck! I totally forgot where I was going with that. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it it's, it's but like but like I, I, I've been angry it. after a Spike yeah. Lee movie and considered like that's fucking awesome. Do the right thing should make you angry, and mm -hmm. like uh, but I can go back and watch it over and over again. I'm not here with that film. Um, hmm. I don't. I both want the best for the character and don't like them very much, and now, <laughs> and it doesn't. None of those resolve themselves in a. I think in a good way that makes it a crowd-pleasing film. Instead, I just kind of want her to be happy and leveled out. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Like, come back from the edge of the abyss. You've been staring into it for too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's a little bit. And, 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 and the only person with any voice of reason is, is Mr. Krabs. And like, I'm just glad to see him show up in the film. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her poor parents. I wish I wish they were my parents, honestly. <laughs> is it uh, Clancy Brown and, um, why am I forgetting? Connolly? Um, Jennifer Connelly, Jennifer Coolidge, Coolidge Jennifer Coolidge. Bad. Yeah, yeah, mm. and they're just so sweet. 
And you just feel so bad for them of like, you had such a bright future and now you just live at home and work at a coffee shop and you go out every night. We assume you're just partying and fucking everybody. And oh, we just we just want you to live up to your potential, honey. Yeah. And she's like, can't As much talk. fun as I'm sure it is, <laughs> like as much fun as having Laverne Cox as your coworker must be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but whatever you do, stay away from <laughs> bash from glow. Holy shit. Like, <laughs> again, the was cat- such a, like, it's a, where do I know this guy from? Oh, right. It's bad. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's just one of those films, um, that, that hurt me. And maybe that was the point. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that was the point. And yeah. I'd be interested to watch it again. Sarah, who's unfortunately not on, on the show, had the exact same experience I did where something prevented us from seeing the ending, which will, is one of those endings that will reverse your opinion on the film or can't, couldn't potentially do that. Um, mm-hmm. Where that is all leading up to this. And then Sarah has gone through a range of emotions and has wanted to talk about this so bad because yeah. she's been angry at the film that she's come around on the film, gotten angry again, I think watched it again. I'm really sad. She's not here just cause um, yeah. Complicated, complicated film, I guess I, I, I thought it was going to be cut and dry and, but yeah, yeah, I won't, I won't keep repeating yeah, myself. And, yeah, and that's that. That's one of those things that I love about it. I'm really glad that it's it's got the accolades that it has because I could see so many people just just dismissing this as like, eh, fuck you, just eh, this is unrealistic, or no, things are so much better, or you know, what? No, this is just too too dark, too satirical, and it's like, no, there's just there's a lot, there's a lot. It yeah. is a there's every everything is very no, dense and my, worth was, examining. It was my fault and for it, walking in wanting an X-rated Atomic Blonde, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get that. Well, when I, mean, I when like, I say like this is the most con- one of the more conventional movies on the mm-hmm. list, like it it's more of it's a black comedy, mm-hmm. yeah, and it mm-hmm. and it feels so? more like it's it's made more like a mainstream picture, I guess. You think it's a black yeah. comedy? Something about the look and the writing and the acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Tough... And in the editing and things like that. Okay. It's... Yeah. You know yeah. what? There, there could be something to that. I, I can only think of, for example, um, the John Favreau movie Made, which is mm-hmm. really irritating until you watch it again and realize both those characters aren't going to get murdered because Vince Vaughn won't shut the fuck up. And then you watch it again, knowing that they're going to live like it's funny, but the first time I watch it, like this is tense as fuck. And I hate these characters <laughs> and, <laughs> and you watch it again. It, it, Big Lebowski too. Like once you, when mm-hmm. you get to the end, you get to the end, like what the fuck that's it. And like Sam Elliott's like, that's it. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> and then you watch well, it again and you appreciate you the, <laughs> the nuance in between. And maybe there has to be more laughs in that McLovin scene alone than what I was giving it. <laughs> Cause it's hilarious that he's there. <laughs> and I, I love nice guys like i'm a nice guy i'm a nice guy i'm a nice guy i would never do that but you were doing that mm-hmm. <laughs> uh look i'm not the best person to yep. talk about this and i'm also I- not the best person to write a sketch about it but just like last year our lady uh members of <laughs> failed us and made me write the sketch uh for the most <laughs> female-led movie of the year. And quite frankly, this is what you get. Little women! Little women! Little women! Little women! Little women. 
Sorry, I miss synchronized Peloton practice, girls. You should have been there. We gossiped about all our favorite soap operas. And then we bedazzled our diaphragms while getting our nails done. Simply splendid. Did you promising little women make your New Year's resolutions this year? Oh my, yes. My New Year's resolution is to eat less chocolate. That's such a good one. My resolution this year is to learn how to drive myself to the salon. And this year, I promise to nag my husband less. And we keep our promises because we are promising little promising women. Promising little women. Promising little women. I'm going to make so many promises. So many promises. No, 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 no. Time out. Going to stop this before it starts. This is not even worth the callback. But we're little women making promises. I promise. Yeah, yeah, no, that's super cute for this movie that's not serious or anything. I mean, you guys giving yourselves little pigtails this year. That goes goes great with your gray and quarantine beards, you dumb bastards. You know, no one can see you right now. I mean, did you, Jesus, did you make those dresses yourself? Because, okay, those florals do not go with your skin tones. We promised to cut down on our shopping this year because we're promising promising. I know you think this is too stupid to actually be sexist, and if your lazy conception of misogyny had evolved since the fucking Flintstones, you'd all be in a lot more trouble right now. But we're little women making promises! I promise! We're little women! Oh god, stop it! No, no, this is too good a movie to be treated like this, even on a low-red podcast like this one. So stop this right now, or I'm sending last year's sketch straight straight to Greta Gerwig because she follows me. Yeah. Uh, oh, don't, no, no, sorry. No, oh, no, no, oh, no, no, no. That's really bad. not necessary. Don't do that. Yeah, um, don't do that. I, I swear to God, I will submit Video Game Apocalypse to whatever social network that my pillow guy is starting if you don't stop doing this. Oh God, please no. We're no, sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're don't, so sorry. No, sorry. That's I'm sorry. calm down. Not necessary. Are we done? Yeah, no, we're we're done. We're done. No, sorry. Our bad. Sorry. Sorry. Bad sorry. mistake. Yes. No, bad sorry. mistake. All right. Please. Uh, we'll never please. do it again. No. And we promise because we're promising. Okay, fuck you. I quit. You know what? No, no. Okay, look at me. I'm a big, dumb, out of shape, dork guy. Dork, dork, fart, fart. I'm gonna grow out my beer gut. Play with my fucking Transformers or whatever. I'm never gonna grow up. If I wasn't getting paid by sponsors, I'd forget to clean my own goddamn balls. I'm a big, dumb guy. Harsh, too far. Stuff. I could pee standing up. That means I should make 30% more for the same work. Just when you think you're all by yourself, you're not. Welcome back, everyone, to uh, Six Down, Two to Go. Here we are, baby. Yeah. Uh, I would give this the Oscar for the title alone, Sound of Metal. Sound of, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sound of Metal is great. And I remember seeing it mm-hmm. pop. I didn't... I read about movies. I occasionally pick up Entertainment Weekly. I read movie websites. I found It's just weird to find out about a movie when it pops in your Amazon Prime. Here it is. And I'm like, I will watch this metal documentary later. And and, and, then, and I, I, that sounds really cool, but it is uh, not that at all. Uh, directed by uh, Darius Martyr, uh, written um, screenplay by Darius Martyr and uh, Abraham Martyr, and starring um, 
Reese Ahmed. Goddamn, uh, I really like Sound of Metal. Yeah. Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow. Let's see what it's like, okay? I'm gonna be like a click track. You can play to me. And I love that all the trailers are all subtitled for hearing impaired, like hard coded. You can't nice. turn it on and off on the internet. And uh, the story of a metal drummer who I don't want to say slowly, but like all of a sudden gradually loses his hearing in like a period that seems like a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems like a week. And I, 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 we just talked about my uh, film viewing behavior during the pandemic. A lot of phones coming out, and I'm like, "Oh shit, I want to watch this." But I now that I know where it's going, I really gonna have to put away my phone. A lot of subtitles, and I am still yeah. remain mm-hmm. shocked how they use film as a medium to convey everything. And there are like mm-hmm. five subtitles in this movie, yeah. and you spend out you spend like an hour around a bunch of deaf people, and you get everything yeah. that's happening. The subtitles yeah. do not come in until Riz himself can understand them in the film wow is that uh, yeah. yeah yeah and i this this also made me ask like it, it's something i've wondered before like why don't we teach american sign language in like elementary schools as part of the standard curriculum yeah. it, like you know it like we we have this language that deaf people can use but it's only to speak with other people who've learned it and that that kind of sucks it would be so useful because then people could talk in the movie theater all they want <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it like yeah asl is just such a beautiful expression of language mm-hmm. too i find and i don't know about you all but like uh as soon as this was or like not even when it was over like during the film as soon as he starts learning ASL for himself, I'm like trying to remember like, wait, do I still have, do I still remember how to like say and spell my name uh, with my <laughs> hands? And I do. Yay. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, it just, it, it made me remember like, it, yeah, it just did, how, how beautiful ASL is. It did make me, my, my, my girl knows sign language. So she was trying to teach me afterwards. I, I gave up too quickly, but just the other day we were trying it Helen Keller style, which that is just unbelievably baffling. The yeah. signing in someone's <laughs> hand, like this, would take forever to learn. This is so precise and weird. Uh, yeah. But but I don't know. There is something very beautiful about this movie. Embrace. I've just never seen a movie. Uh, movie. I've seen like kids' cartoons, ham-fistedly embrace a disability as a positive. But I've never seen a mm-hmm. film sort yeah. of. We've got a friend in a wheelchair, sort of thing. Yeah. Can you go this fast? Can you play murder ball? I didn't think so. Yeah. But but. <laughs> uh, Reese's yeah. journey in this film really it's I incredible. Just, uh, I I clicked with so much because and speaking personally as as a musician myself right. and as someone who you know does podcasting video editing whatever losing my hearing is a major fear of mine like yeah. it, it it's, it's something that gives so you know in, in the act one of this film like it was really like honestly give me a lot of anxiety watching and just like mm-hmm. being thinking of myself in that situation but by then you know this this is you know anecdotal but hey what is a podcast <laughs> anecdotes right. by the end of the film i like my perspective has changed on that now like because of the journey his character goes on in realizing oh no he can do this he can learn he can adapt he can continue to live his life even with this disability it changed the way i thought about it too like i'm watching this first act really stressed out like man this is awful that really freaks me out i would hate to ever be in that situation and then by the end I too was like, no, you know what? I, I could do it. Like if I had to, 
Like if, if I were put in this situation, I believe that I could take the steps and learn ASL and, and continue to live my life mm-hmm. as well. And Tony and walked, it, Tony walked like, away from it like, yeah, you're right, movie. I shouldn't have to wear earplugs at shows. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, um, like like it, it truly, like that journey I just found so beautiful and like reassuring just to me and yeah. some of the fears that I have personally. And for that yeah. reason, it, without, it just clicked with me so much. And without a big speech. There's no big yeah. speech about, yeah. you know, I'm going to beat this and it's going to be okay. No, yeah. if anything, no, it's, it's just, it's that's opposite. not how people, that's, that's not what people do. People yeah. just day by day, keep on working. Yeah. And it, it, realize it, it's remar- no, going to get through. It's remarkably effective in making this character look bad for, for trying to find a simple way out of this. Right. And, yeah. And, and, that's mm-hmm. why I say like. If anything, it gives the opposite of that kind of speech because the um, which the anybody runs... watching it can understand that that opening of the film is easily the, the most tense, suspenseful, like anxiety-inducing th- scene of any of the movies nominated ever um, yeah. this year. This <laughs> yeah. year for sure, like it is it is insane. Yeah, and and I just the guy who like runs the house, he's um yeah, Paul he... Racy as Joe. Yeah, he yeah. um he he's like the singer for like a Black Sabbath cover band or something <laughs> like that. Um, um, but then but then he's also to some degree like deaf in real life as well. Like his parents were deaf. Oh, that's oh, what it is. Okay, okay gotcha. Yeah. And so I um I really appreciate and you know this kind of why I say it feels like the opposite thing. Like he gives Riz Ahmed like the opposite of that speech. Like the very much like no, listen, this is the situation you're in. You need to learn to live with it, and you're really screwing up for yourself by breaking my rules here. So, like, you got to get with the program, or I cannot help you. Mm-hmm. And and you know that's a real kind of like kick in the pants kind of speech. That like, it, yeah, it felt so much more real than this like you know grandstanding whatever speech that could have been in it. Yeah, yeah, and I I loved his character in that like he's able to simultaneously project like not not only. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed, but also like, I'm really fucking mad, yep. but I'm <laughs> able to channel it into this disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. Reason Ahmed is, he is a treasure. I, I cannot wait to see all the West. Of the st- I, I perhaps, I, be- I believe his pronouns are he, if not my apologies, but uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, whatever career he has ahead of him is going to be like beautiful. Cause everything he's been in, he's like the best part of it or at least tied with the best part of it in Nightcrawler because that movie's just <laughs> perfect. But yeah. uh, but like everything he's in, he's just such a bright spot. Night of everything. So I, I can't wait to see yeah, he, what he, else his career has. I, I would, is, is he nominated for best actor? Cause oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 that's sort of my choice. Uh, I, I, I don't know of another performance that it's, it's like 70% intensi- intensity and then like, there's something about him that is really calming. When it looks like he's about to explode, yeah, he doesn't, and you just feel his worse American for him. accent is very calming. <laughs> is that not his real accent? He's British. Oh, I didn't know that at all. No, I yeah, I had no yeah. idea. And yeah, I, I I don't know. I found this again real big bummer. Uh, but but uh, I don't know. I know. But I mean, very maybe no, no. I'm like, talking more about more about the learn. ending. More about the ending. I did not find yeah, the, the ending. Well, the, the ending is is also just like, yeah, this thing that you thought was going to be your ticket out. Is I guess not, not really a solution sure. at all. You're in the same position and, you and were then in the second. That act. Final shot is is very oh, it's, beautiful. It's where he he finally finds that uh, that moment of stillness that uh, Joe yeah. was talking about. Mm. Yeah, it's we, we we talked a moment ago about the the like how tense the opening is. 
this film, I think more than any of the other nominees. Um, so in for, let me take it back to film school 101 here, folks. Hey. Um, <laughs> we have, mm-hmm. there's, there's what you have your, op- you have your opening and closing images. And the idea is that one shows the current status quo and the other shows how the journey your characters come on. In most modern movies, you don't get that because the first scene just tends to have nothing to do with the plot. And it's just the hero saving the cat basically. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you have that in this movie and it's such a beautiful bookend where you have this just anxiety inducing loud pounding metal concert opening that's how we start and we end with total silence of him just sitting mm-hmm. on that bench and accepting it and embracing it huh. and and like yeah. seemingly really actually loving the silence for the first time yeah. over the course of i think it's what like an hour 45 2 hours whatever it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like those that the way that is bookended i just think is like you've told a you've told the story so well if if you if you're yeah. able to bookend yeah. it that way yeah it brought up i mean it's as as a like raising awareness type thing you know it brought up some of my thoughts i'd never thought about like oh yeah if you're a hearing impaired and an addict and you need to go to a 12-step meeting where do you go uh and his his that that was kind of a neat moment because they didn't they didn't underline and out like really emphasize that where he's going is like 12-step treatment yeah, uh, for until, the hard of hearing. Yeah. Right, but th- then they're like, they're having this group meeting, and you're like, what kind of group meeting is this? And everyone's signing something and together, and he's just like, what? Yeah. And it was until I got to the end, and they signed, it was two Ds pulling apart, and I realized, difference. Oh, they're doing the serenity prayer. This is a 12-step wow. meeting. Like, it's that. all clicking for wow. me. Oh, yeah. Okay. And but I love- because I don't, I know a couple signs in the alphabet, I was as an outsider like he was of like i don't what what are we doing here what are we doing yeah uh, and, and oh the way they okay we're meeting that, cool the way they convey that outsider nature i think is so great like i said before like the subtitles don't kick in until he mm-hmm. himself understands what they're yeah. saying and i just mm-hmm. to immerse you the way it immerses the viewer in that world or, or those who don't already know any mm-hmm. form of asl uh the way that it would uh, throw you into that world i just think is beautiful and yeah. in terms of you know like what you know, Diana, you mentioned like how if a person of hard of hearing would go to a meeting like this, right? This film also mm-hmm. brings up the idea of like, what if you become hard of hearing later in life? And yeah. the answer is you you have to go to an elementary school because that is the <laughs> level at which you have to learn. And I don't know this for sure, but it certainly appeared to me that those, that was also just found actors, like that that was an actual yeah. class. Because certainly from some of the shots where the kids are clearly not acting and like they clearly <laughs> just threw a, threw a camera in there. Um, it's simultaneously like, the, the part I'm most baffled about and appreciate about the film. One that they called like their manager and like, hey, my boyfriend's deaf. And he's like, go here, the middle of the Ozarks. <laughs> there's this. You see, now, I don't know if that was calling that their guy. manager. I thought it was calling his sponsor. Oh, you think so? Yeah, I that, think it was a that sponsor was my as thought. well. Oh, yeah. see, I thought I meant like a Monster yeah. Energy sponsor or something like that. Something for his <laughs> band. <laughs> something. Call McDonald's. Let's. What do we do? <laughs> one, one thing that struck me about this. So the the sound design is absolutely yeah. amazing. Yes. At yes. immersing you into like mm-hmm. making you experience exactly what he's experiencing. And I thought mm-hmm. like the irony of this is. So my dad is also hard of hearing. He uses hearing aids. And like this, this would he would probably relate to this, but he also would not be able to pick up on what they huh. did with the sound. Like really? he wouldn't, he wouldn't get the full scope of that. So, mm. but he'd be able to leapfrog you when it comes to the scenes where he's in the home because he could understand <laughs> yeah. everything they're saying. Well, you want, uh, you want a spoiler, he, son? No, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I will say, it's not sign language. 
Yeah, I just like you were saying about like, oh, what if, what if this happens to me? I need my hearing so much for my job. I, I have tinnitus. I was born with it um, and I'm just used to it. It drives some people crazy when they develop it later in life. But my God, was I aware of it watching this movie. Hmm. I could not stop listening to the hissing sound that is just permanently in my ears. And hmm. normally I can just drown it out because it's just it's permanent white noise in the background no matter what I do. Mm-hmm. But this movie, because a lot of times there is so much silence, but just in general, I go, like, stop it! <laughs> to my head. Ah, it really was making me think about hearing and sound so much. I, yeah, I want to point out at least one more notable scene, too, with this one was um, to go back to like with the kids and everything. There's like the kid who's kind of acting out a bit. And mm-hmm. when he and Reese go outside to the playground, like, or he tells the teacher, oh, let, me, let me take him aside for a little bit. You know, I think I can connect with this kid. And they go and they sort of like play drums on the, on the, I think it's like on a slide or something like, mm-hmm. Oh, what a, what a wonderful, like that was a beautiful, just like bonding scene. That was between. Yep. Yeah. I, I, and oh, he can still, beautiful. he can still love music. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I it was that. a, it was a real life spoiler. I don't know if you remember this as well as I do, Michael. Um, uh, Brett's buddy, uh, a buddy of Brett's came to San Francisco uh, rich. I don't can't remember if he was on a podcast or two. He might've been, I know he was there for our first podcast. Um, and he knew sign language, perfect sign language. So like at almost anywhere we go, he would inevitably, he could like spot the deaf and strike up a conversation. We'd have like, we'd be at a party the next weekend and like, um, oh, here's my friend and uh, don't worry, she reads, <laughs> reads lips. Um, and he, yeah, he just met this girl at like the BART station. They struck up a conversation and she, he invited her over to a party. And at the, it was also at the same time, the world was infatuated with rock band and, <laughs> and uh, we, I think one of us, we get done playing and like, mm, you want to? And she's like, okay. And like sat down at the drums and fucking owned on her first <laughs> try, like w- without, without any sense of hearing completely got the concept and nailed it. Like a hundred, like almost a hundred percent first time on drums. The That's instrument, awesome. by the way, if you play rock band is one of the hardest, the harder instruments to like nail down because it's too much like playing the actual instrument. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, that's the what only I one. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I had in my mind when like, nah, dude, you can still drum. Like especially with like how how vibration heavy this is gonna be. You can be a drummer again. That's not necessarily addressed in the movie, but like uh, makes me feel better. Yep. And, and drumming oh, is a man. click track. Also, very real concept for anybody yeah. who's ever played in the band. <laughs> if you don't have an actual click track going, your drummer is your click track. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, I, I have to recommend go to YouTube and look up sign language interpreters at concerts. Oh, dude, that they woman. are yes. the fucking yes. best. I have gone down that rabbit hole for hours. It's, it's amazing. Watching people sign Bohemian Rhapsody is so much have you, fun. Have you seen that, that, that white woman who exclusively does rap concerts and she just like really gets into it? It's yeah, hilarious. Because well, it's part of to express, you know, the, the emotion. You have to convey the emotion while you're signing the words. And yeah, people fucking get down while they do. I that. hope uh, there's a rumor she's like so she's <laughs> very maga, and I hope it's not true. Uh, <laughs> uh, sound, uh, the sound of music. I, no, the sound of metal. <laughs> uh, the, Which is one reason it would be fun if it wins. Is yeah, <laughs> to play <against> sound <laughs> of music, sound yeah. of metal. Uh, so watch Warren Beatty mispronounce it. Uh, that would be great. Uh, but uh, yeah, apparently, yeah, everyone's pretty behind. This being a really, really good one and uh, worth recommending. And, Fantastic movie. Yeah. And, and uh, 
We only got one left, but of course it wouldn't be Oscar time if we didn't have a sketch somewhere in here. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm not, I don't think this movie is inappropriate for kids, especially kids who might be hard of hearing impaired. They have bigger problems, but, uh, but if they were to present this topic for children, uh, we found a secret tape of how they would do it. So enjoy. We may have had the worst baseball season ever. That tree ate all my kites, and I didn't get any Christmas cards. But it's a new semester, and I just can't help but feel this is the start of a great new year. What are you talking about, you blockhead? I'm talking about starting this year with my best foot forward, Lucy. I'm not going to dwell on embarrassing myself or feeling lonely all the time. I've got a head start on my schoolwork, and I've even joined a heavy metal band after school. (laughs) What is that? Quiet, Charlie Brown. The teacher is trying to talk. I can't understand anything she's saying. Good grief. Did everyone decide to speak a different language while I was gone? The teacher just called you a blockhead, you blockhead. Can you understand what she's saying? I can't hear. I can't hear anything. Of all the things I was supposed to prepare for this year, I never thought one of those things would be going deaf. Now I'm deaf. I'm deaf now. Rats. Maybe being deaf won't be so bad. After all, it'll probably be nice not to hear all the things people say about me. No one can call you a failure if you can't hear them. Boy, I sure hope the little redhead girl speaks sign language. (laughs) Snoopy, I forgot all about man's best friend, my old buddy. I've never been able to hear what you're saying, and we get along just fine. Well, Snoopy, old buddy, old pal, we're going to be spending a lot more time together from here on out. Best friends forever. What do you say? That's right, it's time to bring it home, baby. Oscar time 2021, our final film, uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7, which I feel terrible about coming and covering so heavily in my favorite movies of 2020, because most people know how I feel about it. But um, uh, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, Trial of the Chicago 7, everyone. Are the people ready to make opening arguments? At the defense table. Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, Dave Dellinger, Rennie Davis, Lee Weiner, John Freund, Tom Hayden, and Bobby Seale. These defendants had a plan, and the plan was to incite a riot. I call this portion of the trial with friends like these. <laughs> my trial's begun without my lawyer. The court assumes you are being represented by the Black Panther sitting behind you. The riots were started by the Chicago Police Department. Hey, Fred. Hey, Michael. Oh, Michael Keaton's almost a spoiler, but... Uh... Yeah, I, I, I only only to bring up something Michael said earlier about um, you know, watching certain movies in the times you are living, and I saw Judas in in the uh, Judas and the Messiah in twenty twenty one, Black Messiah. This I saw in November of last year, when everything mm-hmm. seemed dire and hopeless, and mm-hmm. it affected me. I watched it again since then, and it really did affect me so much more last year than it did now 
And I am saying that because I know a ton of people are going to make fun of me for liking an Eric Sorkin movie so much because it's very, very <laughs> Sorkin-y. But yeah, I have to say, like, I watched this second to last mm-hmm. out of all the, the Oscar runners, and it was almost like a breath of fresh air just because, like, oh, it's kind of funny. This is yeah. probably the most <laughs> – It is the like, most. Like, as upsetting as it is, it's probably the most fun movie. I, I think – Well, it's I, next it's, to Promising Young Women. I mean, it's definitely – well, th- I mean, but that has some real difficult stuff in it. This is mm-hmm. by far the most conventional yes. of the yes. nominees. And, 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 uh, this is a very conventional, technically a courtroom drama, technically a biopic, sort of, you know. Even more than that, like this had lived most of its life in pre-production as a Steven Spielberg movie. And Ooh, if you remember what, talking about the post, Steven Spielberg, um, is too close to money people to truly criticize his country and does so in ways like the post. Um, that mm-hmm. is his polite criticism of what's going on. And that makes a, lo- a lot more sense when you see this in that context. Cause I think it's, it's decently directed, uh, mm-hmm. but it's very much a Sorkin script, but I kept, I did a lot of research of this months ago. Like, like that seems insane. Why did Sorkin do this? He's like, that is a transcript that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is a transcript. So not only like, it's funny, Jeremy Strong. Um, is that the name of the? Uh, yeah, uh, that, that's the, yeah. the succession guy. I think he's one. Jerry of, Rubin. Uh, Jerry Rubin. It's one of the funniest performances oh of the year, and and my favorite villain of the year is Frank Langella's Judge because all that shit yes. is so. You think it's fake because of how doddering and racist he is, but it's all real and worse than depicted in the movie. And they yeah. picked him on purpose. He, he, he bound and gagged uh, the, the one black defendant multiple times. They make it seem like he did it once. He did it a lot. He mm-hmm. like, uh, bailiff, go beat him and gag him in my courtroom. Like he did it. It's in. It's such a Put great the performance. Books to him, medium style. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I, yeah, I, I got a very big kick out of this movie. And maybe the normalcy was a little bit like the vanilla mm-hmm. Oscar movie. Maybe that's part yeah. of it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's tough for me because it's obviously incredibly topical because yes. it is about when is it a protest and when is it a riot, and yeah. Yeah. what's <sighs> what turns something from one to the other. Cops. The say, answer is it's cops. usually when the cops show up. It, it's it's <laughs> cops usually. Michael, I have a clash if the opposing force doesn't walk in and mess up what they're trying to do. I'm watching. Yeah. I'm watching this with at the same time. Like Michael and I are yelling about like plainclothes FBI agents pulling people into unmarked vans on the street. So it's about government overreach and just like, like the toxic conservatism uh, taking hold. It it meant so much to me when it came out. Mm -hmm. My dad, if you didn't hear laser time, you know, my dad is an attorney and like, this is when he grew up and this is the thing that enraged him. And he knew I had never heard of this and he knew a lot about it. So Mm -hmm. is this event that the protest and the, you know, the arrest that happened, is this, because I know we get the term police riot from a similar. Is this the event where we get the term from? I know it comes from a similar event, if not I this one. I feel like but... it comes from an earlier one. I okay. mean, this is. Either way, 60... it's an example of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 68th Democratic Convention uh, in Chicago, which. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Please um, tell people what the movie's about. To... <laughs> it's a making of the film Medium Cool. <laughs> 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 film nerd joke. Uh. Um. Yeah, no, where, I mean, it's, it, 1968 is the height of the Vietnam War, and so it's also about the height of the anti-war protests. And so just, I, I love that they highlight that these are very disparate groups opposing the war with very different attitudes and strategies I thought that was, who uh, are all converging 
on Chicago because all the cameras will be there because it's a Democratic convention. Bobby Kennedy was the front runner. He got fucking shot. So now what do we do? And they, they want the Democratic Party to come out much stronger in ending the war right fucking now. Mm-hmm. And so you got your pacifist groups, you got your yippies, and you got your uh, what students for Democratic Society and all these groups. And there are riots. And it's horrible. And people get beaten. And this is about uh, basically the show trial that Nixon wanted to tamp down the anti-war protesters. To, to show those hippies what for. We're gonna send mm-hmm. we're gonna send these protesters, yeah. demonstrators to jail and they're never coming right. out again. Including let's throw in a Black Panther because I guess that makes him look scary, even though he wasn't fucking into he, he wasn't there and they hadn't met before and again my I Yeah, this, this, like, it's a conspiracy. He's like, I've never met these people. How I was so baffled my dad told me to watch it. I watched it sight unseen. I'm like, this really fucking ha-? and I'm like the most the fun most fun to look into was Dellinger, David Dellinger, the conscientious mm-hmm. objector who refused to fight in World War One, and like I, I really liked his character a lot. And then looking into his, like all these people have fascinating backgrounds. Uh, yeah. Would go on it's, yeah. Abby Hoffman, especially changing his face, oh, abandoning his family uh, yeah. to learn incredible. to learn about the disparate groups that all were. Uh, you know, essentially put together by this trial is, is really fascinating. <laughs> they probably yeah. united it's, them it's forever because of this. They're they're probably Wait, that's that's the thing. It's like these were disparate groups. You united yes. them by bringing them all yes. into this trial. Like you realize they met yeah. each other, and all of their followers <laughs> hate you even more because of what you're doing to all of them. This is so great. Yeah, yeah. but and I said here here's some of my complaints though. Um, obviously everything gets kind of simplified. So yes. mm-hmm. the yippies and Abby Hoffman in particular get simplified much more anarchist than they were shown but the the media savviness i think was really what this was more about of how how do you use pro how do protesters use the media uh and what what image do you put out to get the effect that you're looking for um and there's a lot of back and forth about that in the movie and also, I haven't looked into it too much, but I feel like there was a tiny bit of both sides in going on here mm-hmm. in that they have Joseph Gordon-Levitt as... Playing his first really, villain. <laughs> yeah, as, as the villain, but he's so reluctant. He doesn't want to do this. There's good people on both sides. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, yeah. But I think, I think the only the prosecution pushes for a mistrial of Bobby Seale. Yeah, so it, it is... see, they're good guys. It's like, no, there there is a way that you could have done this by being a do, doing the moral thing, yeah, they double down on that in some ways with Michael Keaton's character too. Like it's a similar yeah. thing where they they bring him into to 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 do kind of similar things. Yeah, I, I loved I loved his appearance in the film out of nowhere. Holy shit, was that a giant? <laughs> yeah, fuck he really does. He is come pretty out of cool. Nowhere. Nowhere. When he's like, um, so I'm how long did it took you this long yeah. to figure it out, huh? Did yeah. I'm a star witness? <laughs> yeah. And I, I find cool. the movie genuinely funny. And I, I again, some of my bigger laughs were from the transcript themselves. It, it <laughs> This is actually a, a giant mockery of justice on definitely on both sides because uh, uh, Hoffman and uh, Ruben in particular, like were hilarious during all of this. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and Showing up in their own judges robes. Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> Judge and I are not related. And, <laughs> and that's the this best one. Sasha Baron oh, Cohen accent I can do. No. Oh, oh yeah. No. We have to talk about the accent. <laughs> Yes. You, you, All right. So Abby away Hoffman, from that accent. he What's was from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. He did have a bit of an accent, but uh, it's maybe it's just because it's Sasha Baron Cohen. It just sends up. Let it funnier. go. People, people have been comparing. There's like memes going around of like it'll show like Daniel Kaluuya 
from Judas and Black Messiah, like what I think my American accent sounds like. And then I'll show Sasha Baron Cohen in this movie what it actually sounds like. Man, did you did you hear the story he was telling on talk shows about the accent? Because he, he sent he was auditioning for Spielberg. And he's, oh he's like, I'm trying to get talk to a dialect coach and I'm not doing very well. It's a very, very hard accent, and I'm recording it and I do like 30 takes. And uh, on the last one, I'm like, there it is. That's it. Send that to Spielberg. And he says his assistant uh, uh, burned it on a CD or some shit and sent it over to Spielberg. <laughs> and Spielberg's like, uh, uh, the first 29 are shit, but the 30th one you really nailed. He's like, you gave him everything? Like, my, the, the, like, and, and, like, and he listened to it? Spielberg is a <laughs> god. Oh, my goodness. The, the poor accent, I guess, kind of, it, it does, I guess, sort of maybe aid the irreverence of the character in a way. I think it does. Yeah. In a way that wouldn't that I would not have worked if this were like more of a Spielbergian tone of a film, like because it is because I mean this, we, like we said, this is an Aaron Sorkin movie and it is an Aaron Sorkin movie. Oh yeah, oh, very much. So. If you didn't know that, listen to one scene to any dialogue and you'll go, oh okay. which is why I say like context. this is this is kind of one of the more fun movies because it's like yeah, it deals with very heavy subject matter, but all of the dialogue is very fast and witty and yeah. clever, yeah. and it and, and it's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's my and it's my to favorite. Degree, there's still scenes that are going to bum you out. Oh, it's oh, totally. well, there's, yeah, there's still, a lot be, of, still a lot of nightsticks coming down. Yeah, I'd be wall punching and just going, "What the fuck country is this?" Yeah, yeah. And 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 I, I swear at the time, like I'm like hopelessly like practically weeping watching this movie because it feels like we're living this again. And yeah. we're not mm-hmm. quite done with the sins of the past or present or future, but yeah. like I watched this again afterwards, and man, it was like watching V for Vendetta today. It was mm. uh, like I didn't, I didn't feel it. It was Im- as impactful. Uh, I, I have seen this three times, so I, the only thing I can tell yeah. you is that like I look forward to Sasha Baron Cohen's accent. It is not a hindrance. I yeah, mean, I, that's the, the timeliness is a thing. When I was mm-hmm. probably. Like, I want to say a senior in high school, mm-hmm. I watched a multi-part documentary just about the year 1968, Yeah, just about the United States. Yikes. And there was like another one just about France because France also absolutely blew up in 1968. And it was basically a day by day through the whole year. Yeah. And it was so overwhelming how just chaotic everything was i like asked my parents like how did you fucking live through this shit they killed mlk they killed bobby kennedy, uh, bobby kennedy. Mm-hmm. there's rioting in 17 streets or 17 cities simultaneously like what how did you live and they're like I- it was fucking terrible and now i've lived through 2020 yeah yeah and now I understand. Well, like, I thought this, about that a lot last year. I was going to say, and then they said, we didn't live through it. You've been raised by ghosts. <laughs> I mean, it's something. Oh, it's, that explains so much. Give me the car key. My dad, my dad doesn't hold 1968 over my head, but he has previously said, like, uh, yeah. when, I've, when I've asked him specifically, like, yeah, we just thought that was going to be every day for the rest of our lives until it mm-hmm. wasn't. And mm-hmm. hopefully that's what the last four years feels like. Yeah, that's kind and, of reassuring. And, and, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, no it's eventually it got yeah. better. And, but it yeah. was this was the movie as well where I, as it was, you know, even not even by the time it was over, just throughout, I just keep thinking, wow, it's really not so different nowadays. Uh, mm-hmm. To the point where I did actually look up and see, like, are the Yippies still around? Because of the groups represented, <laughs> really identifying with them, and oh, I want to see if oh, they're still around. <laughs> you should. Well, I mean, what Jerry Rubin got into was stock. Yeah. being a stockbroker it so will weird. disappoint you but uh <laughs> oh, really? i need i wow. still i need someone to make a movie about the yippie takeover of disneyland 
Right. That oh, was yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah, they overtook the park. They raised the North Vietnamese flag over Fort Wilderness and they started <laughs> trashing the place. That's <laughs> wonderful. It's 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 such a weird year for movies where like um this is teetering around my top spot, even though I I, I know its shortcomings. I wanted something uh bolder, but um this came about at the right time and address something I was feeling very terrible about and has an uplifting ending, if not necessarily a good one. It actually feels mm. like the movie ends too abruptly on the most romantic spot of the trial because like this, mm-hmm. this was a nightmare for these fucking, well, for all but David Dellinger, these kids, um, yeah. but a horrible, a horrible thing for uh, administration to pull on people who at worst were dissenting, had a dissenting opinion. And yep. I felt like that's where we were headed. If, if things hadn't happened last November, uh, I feel like the the world would have far more resembled the one in this movie. Um, mm. And and, and that there's still a ways to go. I, I'm not saying yeah, nothing is solved, <laughs> but like we would have been closer to this kind of stuff for, for people being. I, I I Diana, you could. I don't know if it's the case with you. I have never been to more demonstrations than I've been to in the last 20 years. I demonstrate. Mm-hmm. I understand the yep. value. And I, I know ah, it's just showing like, yeah, yeah, it makes me feel good. What do you want? Uh, yeah, you're just making a show for the cameras. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's about. Like, that's the only thing yeah. I can do other than well, voting. I've, I've gotten into plenty of arguments with people. I'm pretty far to the left, but there's plenty, plenty of room farther to the left of me sure. about tactics like mm-hmm. they're talking about in this movie you know mm-hmm. of yeah do you show up and make fun of the guys you show up and, and kick their asses you know should you actively fight the cops uh is vandalism okay should you break shop windows mm-hmm. why not why don't we set that car on fire and it's like well you're gonna turn these people against you and they're like well fuck them i don't care it's like but why are you demonstrating like what who you want to win over who are you trying to convince and it's like when people see people smashing up Starbucks, they think you're just hooligans. When they see you getting wailed on police after getting after smashing up a Starbucks, they think maybe you had it coming. Yeah. As opposed to if you're sitting in the street refusing to move, and then the cop, cops come up and smash the shit out of you. Now the cops are pretty clearly the bad guys. Which happened in my and, hometown and, and made them look really fucking bad. There's a terrible governor yeah. protecting them, but like to the world, yeah. they look bad. And yeah, to but a on, the themes of the but movie. then on the flip side is the media even going to show up for a protest of a bunch of people just sitting blocking the street or do you need to start smashing and burning shit to get everyone's attention? Yeah. Yeah. I I think one of the themes of the movie is like purposefully overlooking those nuances because like these eight, I believe it was eight, right? Completely different groups. Yep. We're Mm -hmm. all just thrown together on the bench together. Like they are, there are eight people with completely different strategies all just grouped together for, for the show of it and, and yep. not considering those nuances, they have oversimplified what each of them stand for. They have in some ways united them all together. You, you do uh, have to do a lot of background yeah. research to understand what the differences in between all these people were, but it, yeah. it was more to the point that the government was assembling well, the most popular pacifism versus the guy making a Molotov cocktail. You can yeah. tell the difference a little bit. It's but, true. Yeah. It's true. It's just, but, the, but the, the point of the film is showing that the government was just really going after dissent and like trying to punish people publicly. Yeah. To make people afraid to voice to their the opinions. status quo, regardless of where yep. along the political. It's something I never thought from. I'd see again until I did. Yeah, and yep. and yep. and the movie 
again, if, if I feel like you would have enjoyed it more if you'd have listened to me and watched it in 2020, but I know that is not the popular opinion on, from young leftists yeah. on Aaron Sorkin. Uh, but mm-hmm. also Aaron Sorkin's... Yeah. And they leave out the most important part. Mm. Who got to marry Jean Fonda out of it all? Wait, who? <laughs> Tom Hayden. Did he really? He won, oh, won he, played uh, by Eddie Redmayne. He was married to Jane is, Fonda. I, so he wins everything. I have, <laughs> I have hated almost everything Eddie Redmayne has ever been in. And this is my favorite thing I've ever seen him in. I thought he was great. <laughs> I, thought he was I love amazing. that the dude still plays uh, college students in like everything he's in when he's in his like <laughs> mid or upper 30s at this point. He <laughs> is so wonderfully uptight as an American. I fucking love it. <laughs> and even though like I think he's, uh, what was he? A Democratic Students for a Democratic students Society. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I still feel like it's a great movie, and it, it, you will not feel like your time is wasted for seeing it. That's Watch it just to make fun of it on Twitter. Uh, and and, and, and a, a, <laughs> yeah. a, a, as opposed to everything else in this list, it is not a total bummer. Um, yes. I also say, honestly, watch it and try to find like who on the defendant's bench you identify with because it may help you realize some stuff or get you to research some other things, you know? I, I think yep. that shit is really fun, especially like, cause, you know, I, I avoid Twitter because uh, people I agree with on the left tend to do nothing but argue over very, very small details and table scraps mm. over there no. in performative ways on a constant basis. And this is one of those movies that like, I feel Spielberg wanted to show you like, hey, everybody on the right side of things, let's try and get in line because mm-hmm. the bad side has everything going for them right now. Let's mm-hmm. all Voltron <laughs> the good stuff <laughs> and uh, get a better movement going. Yeah. And and that's that's mm-hmm. my takeaway from the film anyway. I'm good with that takeaway. Um, <laughs> want to do any shout outs to any of the other categories real fast? Or, I, know, find I the, think I want to give a shout out to Sasha Baron Cohen, despite his accent. He's got two nominations. Yeah, I hope he wins. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Maria Bakalova from Borat's subsequent movie film, which uh, makes me so happy because they never recognize comedy. Right. I think I, yeah. I thought that, come on, any story anybody has about acting will not compare to that woman's story. <laughs> she, <laughs> that was really hard to do all the, like for a long time. In a pandemic, around vampire Rudy Giuliani. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Like, what? <laughs> you want to you wanna throw the, to your last sketch there and then we can tie oh, up yes. some loose ends with these other categories? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, I tend to write sketches a lot like uh, in this mo- mold, but um, uh, if you've seen the movie, they try to lump as many leftist causes into this trial to prosecute them and they probably didn't think they were going to win, but they tried to... They tried to have their Super Smash Brothers of leftist organizations <laughs> and slowly had to whittle it down. Uh, and we have a little clip from that. Order, order. We've come before the court today to charge as many anti war protesters and hippie demonstrators with incitement of the Democratic National Convention riots of 1968, which I say most impartially. They are all clearly guilty of. Let us begin the trial of the Chicago 317. Objection. In addition to this being a completely baseless sham of a political show trial, there are far too many people to try every single demonstrator in attendance with such a crime. Here we have some agreement, sir. As much as I'd like to see all of these communist sympathizing peaceniks fry, we will make a concession and try and whittle down the defendants to only the most egregious offenders. 
Send them back to their parents instead of burdening the taxpayers with their incarceration. We're in some agreement here. Wonderful. I'll accept any act of common sense we can get coming from an obvious stooge for the Nixon administration. Let's try and send as many of these law-abiding Americans home, since their only crime, may I remind you, was expressing their constitutional right to free assembly. Oh, you are good. Do your worst, good sir. Okay, great start. Uh, for example, are we really going to try and charge this group of naked people who show up and just stand still at every protest with inciting a riot? That all depends. What are they packing? <laughs> now, now, yes, I, I suppose we can all agree that a bunch of nudist freaks do not present the same threat as them, the Black Panthers. Dismissed! Okay, nice. That's like three dozen defendants down right there. Uh, next up, ma'am, uh, what would you say your role was at the riots? I was just there to promote veganism, my man. Your Honor, these vegans show up to every protest and- Meat is matter, dude! Sure it is. But, Your Honor, unless the riots occurred at a meatpacking plant- Okay, we're in some agreement here, Counselor. I highly doubt any of these emaciated tofu twinks posed any physical risk to our boys in blue. Carry on. Dismiss. Thanks, I, I guess. Uh, next up we have, uh... Bongo guy. Sir, what would you say your role was in inciting the Chicago riots? Why, only creating the most vicious drum circle you've ever seen, man. <laughs> uh, to what end, sir? To the bitter end, man. I'm just here to provide the rhythm to the schism, man. You know what I mean? Disgusting. Agreed. But surely you can't expect the court to deem this man as capable of inciting, or even loosely inspiring, much of anything. I'm starting to see where you're coming from with this, Counselor. While performative and occasionally obnoxious, many of these people constitute a mild annoyance at best. Get this freak out of my courtroom. Dismiss! Good to see you coming around. Maybe we can get through these on-ball protest staples you see at every protest a little quicker. Uh, next up, John 316 guy in a rainbow wig. I don't watch wrestling. Dismiss! Then we have a kind person giving out water to strangers. Pshaw! This ain't Georgia, son. Very dismiss! Person dressed as a giant vagina with a knife through it. A salient feminist message diluted by H.R. Puffin stuffery. Dismiss! And no protest would be complete without the poorly informed conspiratorial anti-vaccination mom. Sir, I am just asking questions because these are things they want us to put in our children's bodies. What are you protesting exactly? People dying of polio? It's disgusting, Your Honor, in 1968 or any other year. It certainly is. Getting vaccinated is where scientific ingenuity meets societal empathy. It embodies the very spirit of our proud country. And remember, I say this as a staunchly closed-minded and delusioned conservative when I say not getting yourself vaccinated is one of the most selfish, misguided, and profoundly un-American things I've ever heard of. Your Honor, if you would just read this discredited and hilariously misspelled pamphlet, Ma'am, you endanger not only yourself, but your fellow citizens. I'd wish a pox on you, but you seem out to save me the trouble. Your Honor, I move we dismiss the Chicago trial and move on to sentencing this anti-vaxxer. Given everything else that's happened here, why the hell not? Let's hang this moron and let's everybody get to getting vaccinated. Hoo-ha!
Finally, it has come to an end. Uh, Oscar time 2021. Uh, yeah, 10 years. 10 years of Oscar time content. Thank you, Michael, Diana, Tony. Uh, what, before we get into, you know what? Let's get in, into your pluggies first, just so uh, we have other predictions for Oscar stuff. But I, I wanted to talk about uh, Tony's YouTube channel, Framework. You like oh, games? Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll throw out to that. Um, you know, we've been doing a lot of movie talk here, but if you like, uh, you know, critical game talk as well, uh, I do uh, run the video essay channel uh, framework on YouTube. Easiest way to find that, easiest way to find that, excuse me, is just tinyurl.com slash frameworkyt. Um, bunch of, like I said, critical video essays, um, always with a positive bent. Um, I play kind of dumb, cheesy characters every time too while I do it. <laughs> Uh, it's always fun just getting in front of a green screen and doing a dumb accent or, uh, or do, being a little alcoholic sock puppet. Um, it's, uh, it's fun. So if you like that stuff, you know, if, if you want to have some fun and hopefully learn a little something too, uh, you know, check that out. Michael Dye, I have a great, I get a great amount of joy talking to both of you every week about respective things. Yeah. Um, Michael, where can people find you? Well, you talk to me about video games, and people can find me on Video Game Apocalypse, which runs on the Laser Time Network every Friday at videogameapocalypse.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Wikiparas. That's W I K I P A R A Z. In Cincinnati. Uh, Diane. <laughs> Diane. <laughs> where, where, where do people hear Diane on a weekly basis? They can hear me every week on 302010, where we look back at this particular week in pop culture history 30 years ago 20 years ago and 10 years ago and by the time right around the time this comes out uh we will be talking about uh the sequel to the mummy uh we got Ooh, the daddy <laughs> damn god damn uh, that joke was a hundred years in the making <laughs> uh coming up we've got uh the marvel movie where things start getting crazy and we see if that's the I feel like it's the big gamble Marvel movie, also mm. with Anthony Hopkins. That's the one and I thought if people were going to bail, they would have bailed on that one. Exactly. Yeah. That was the make or break yeah. time. And yeah. we're going to find out what happens when Mel Gibson goes insane and starts talking to a finger, a uh, hand puppet of a beaver. Oh. But what and movie then, is he in? Uh, <laughs> also, Knight's Tales, Bridesmaids, and Attack the Block in one week. Damn. God damn yes. it, enough. Oh, yes. Attack the Block. Um, <laughs> Yeah, all right. But in laser time, blah, 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 patreon.com slash laser time. Thank you guys so much. Got a new 302010 games up there. Someone was asking, is sick of Star Wars dead? I'm like, no, the Oscar show is a lot of work. <laughs> it just takes a long yeah. time. And we have other weekly shows going up every week. And times are terrible, fraught with chaos and health problems. So, you know. Despite hey. weirdly having more time for things, it's very hard to find motivation to get them done. Yeah. It's, it's mm -hmm. just difficult. We're, we experience uh, more power outages than in my life ever before the podcast. So a lot of lost work and despite all the stuff mm -hmm. we've had to buy in here. But, you know, shit happens. It's been terrible, but I see a light at the end of the tunnel. I do. And, um, yeah, especially we are getting there. I'm really hope. Yeah. I think all of us are, uh, well, I'm, I've completed my vaccinations. Uh, yeah. And I encourage everyone yep. to go out there and get theirs. That's the last plug. Um, recommend the CVS site for Americans. Uh, it is the most responsive, dynamic, and crashes the least. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you're in New York City, there's a ton of bots people have made as well. That's how I got mine. Yeah, Ooh, I got vaccination from a bot. 
Amazing I, what they can do yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> I got mine in Florida uh, during a tornado warning, which I believe gives me my Florida black belt. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, but uh, Oscar predictions. I have no idea what's in store for the show. And oh my god! Do they yeah. have a, how, they? They're just giving up on the whole host thing. I'm gonna guess at least for this year. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna be in multiple locations uh, in New York and L.A. I don't know how many people are going or how spaced out they're gonna be. I assume it's gonna be pretty spaced out. That yeah. they're not gonna have the full crowd. They're not in the Dolby Theater. I don't think. It's, yeah, it's strange. Uh, if you read those articles. ABC had, had signed a multi-year deal with the Oscars and we're really putting pressure on the program. Like, make some new categories. Clean it up. We need to make this shit more presentable, uh, something young people get into. And they, I think they bought themselves a year of not having to do that. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and yeah. I, I'm a little interested what they're going to show, but let's be clear. My Oscar predictions are the show is going to suck. It is going to be, <laughs> it is, it is going to be well, the worst. I'm... I'm hoping it'll be like some of the other uh, <laughs> some of the other award shows where there's a lot of people with cameras and they're at home. Yeah. And so sometimes they're just in their PJs with their dog. And I love yeah. that. I, yeah, so. but you still run like, is it just going to be Gal Gadot's Imagine? Is that, is, is that what the whole show is going to be? <laughs> Maybe they'll all sing it in the same key this time at least. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I mentioned a few times when we were talking like during the, you know, the individual bits of the episode, but uh Father, the father is kind of my my third choice. Like I loved loved, I'd be happy with that. Uh, Minari and Sound of Metal are tied for for first place. Oh for yeah, me, me I, too. It Tony. would be it would be amazing to see uh, Koreans get to win it two years in a row, just because that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, Sound of Metal is my personal favorite film of the year, but it is still tied. Just like I said, for the reason that I would love to see Minari win. For, for repeat reasons and it was also mm. a beautiful film uh and sound of metal if it doesn't win in at least one of these sound categories oh what are we prime. doing yeah. i think it has a lock yeah. on both I, I, of that, those. that has yeah, to it be better it, it has yeah. to be yeah um i'd say i think promising young woman's still my favorite just because it's given me so much to think about uh i think nomadland's probably gonna take it but you know it mm. really is just sort of all over the place like yeah, coming into this, it's just so scattered because all the nominations are so weird and it's such a weird year that, yeah, there's, who knows? If, if I were a, anybody's game and that's what, that's kind of fun. If yeah. I, if, if I were a betting man, I would say Nomadland because even when I hear like clips of the local news talking about the Oscars, that is the best they can do for shorthand is Nomadland. <laughs> it's the one they think has the most recognition and therefore it does because they're giving mm. it the most, the biggest spotlight. Yeah. And, Miracle. Well, other than that, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say there's like a, a an obvious front runner this year. Like, and I, I think uh, you know this is maybe one of the few years that I can think of where it's like I didn't dislike any of the movies. I mm-hmm. I really yeah. enjoyed them. I think my my for favorite, like it's it's difficult for me to choose between uh, Minari, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Promising Young Woman. Yeah. Uh, but like everything's really good. And like I said, like if, if I'm doing it like on the basis of most moving, like the father is the only one that actually got oh. some tears out of me. Oh, yeah. uh, this fucking and was the most experimental in its approach. Yeah. 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 From emotional robot and anime fan, the father from Michael. <laughs> <Raparis>. <laughs> um, Any, uh, I mean, thoughts on other categories. I, I I'm exactly I, like I, you, I though, Tony, except for, uh, I, I have watched Trial of the Chicago 7 three times. Uh, mm. I, in terms of comforting viewing, it, it sounds like it makes it your favorite. <laughs> well, no, but but Minari and uh, uh, 
Sound of Metal. Like I would like to see those two win the most. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. There's a difference between your favorite and what you want to yes. see win. Like that is yeah. that is totally okay. Yep. Um, I mean, in terms of like any other categories, like I will I will not have an issue with Chadwick Boseman winning a posthumous one, and that would not surprise me if he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'd really love to see Riz Ahmed take it just because. Uh, would, I, I mean, yeah. he's, he's he is going to be, I believe, the actor of his generation. You know, if you don't already consider him to be one of them, so um, yep. I'd love to see that happen. I would like, as an outside chance, I'd kind of like David Fincher to win for Mank, even though I don't think he will. Mm. I think Chloe Zhao has that one too, mm. just because it's such a personal project. And I don't believe he has one yet. For best director. Yeah. Huh. It also mm. says something that I really like Mank, but every time it's mentioned, I'm like, oh yeah, Mank. <laughs> exactly. I keep forgetting it exists. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be a good sign. Uh, mm. yeah, try and squeeze yourself in the best foreign film. I'm from Baja, California. Mm. That's how I and, uh, I've heard I would, uh, uh, Cool Vadis Aida is the one to watch for there in yeah. foreign film. You know, and I would love to uh, I, either Francis or uh, uh, McDormand or Carrie Mulligan winning actress, I think would also be pretty cool. Yep. I, more than anything, would really love to hear Borat 2 referred to as the Academy Award winning Borat 2. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't. If Borat 2 could have more Oscars than Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, in, in a category, uh, a category I'm, I'm always fascinated by best animated film. Um, mm. usually it's a Pixar lock. Uh, I di- really didn't like onward and, mm. uh, the movie that I have not seen, oh, have not seen the most is, uh, <laughs> Apple Plus's Wolfwalkers because I will not sign up for Apple Plus for two shows and three movies. Sorry. <laughs> but I, the three people that I know that have it, uh, and I believe they make up 75% of Apple Plus's subscriber <laughs> base, um, have, I have said that that movie is very good. So I, I mean, have you seen like what they project Netflix's numbers are for their like biggest shows? You wonder why they cancel stuff. It's like, because 200,000 people watch Daredevil. That's why. Like, yeah. they, they, that's what the reality is. So can you imagine what Apple Plus is? You're just giving a bunch of billionaire money to throw your shit in the garbage. So <laughs> no one will ever see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, unbelievable. Uh, Ted Lasso seems pretty popular. I oh. stole it. Yeah. Uh, and I, <laughs> I was going to say, how many of those people are Apple TV Plus customers? <laughs> um, but uh, but for, uh, Soul, Soul was, is still really fun and a great film that I, I'm kind of shocked didn't get thrown in the mix because they they for best animated feature no for for picture like i oh it, yeah. it's it's it's, yeah. it's they've done that several times with other pixar movies um yeah. and you know it's not going to win so why they usually have 10 nominees and there are eight why not throw it to soul i love be pretty stoked if luca gets one <laughs> yeah. the next award ceremony that would be um, insane to to touch on Borat briefly again, uh, Maria Bakalova winning for that would be super cool. Yeah, that would be yeah. amazing. Just the the, the, the so dire, happy. the truly dire situations that she was in for that movie, <laughs> she oh, deserves God. it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I'd say the last one. I have not seen it, but I because I was only uh, made aware actually of the premise today. But for documentary feature, I was made aware of the premise of the mole agent today. And oh, wow, do I want to watch it very badly? Wait, I just uh, heard about this about. It is about a uh, an old folks home retirement community, you know, along those lines. And supposedly someone within the home like sort of whistle blew that there was some like elder abuse or things like that going on. So they got this like 
retired like espionage guy like actual like octogenarian to go and do his thing in this nursing home wow. to see oh. if it's true wow. and there's apparently a lot of like beautiful emotional connection between him and fellow residents there um and it, it got me like i oh i gotta watch it <laughs> i gotta watch it very soon because i just i heard the premise and i was like i yes please <laughs> that yeah, sounds fantastic I, I feel like every year i sleep on the documentaries until the nominations come out and then i find out what they're about and i go oh <laughs> if i don't get to go to sundance then chances are i haven't seen most of the documentaries that yeah. are nominated like yeah. it feels like netflix gave up on being the home of documentaries and like man hbo max I can't mm -hmm. afford stealing from my parents. It's delicious. Like every week is a great documentary is added. Uh, Amen. But if it, it, like, I'm, I hope we can do our Oscar parties from abroad, our little uh, ballots where we try and win a little money from off of one another. And usually for documentaries, since I haven't seen them all, I vote them, which is the coolest title. So Crip Camp. Yep. Crip Camp. It's going to go to Crip Camp. I don't know what it's about, but it sounds off. Are, are, I can make a guess. Are they gang members or are they handicapped? Let's see. If they're both, it's going to win. It's <laughs> um, but yeah, let us know your predictions. Uh, uh, we have a great Facebook community uh, underneath the comments of this episode. Uh, anywhere else you can. Check out Framework, Video Game Apocalypse. Uh, 302010 and patreon.com slash laser time. If you'd like to throw us some, some support, we're trying to make you some extra stuff to make it worth your while. We appreciate your time. Thank you for helping us celebrate 10 years of Oscar time. I love doing this. It's, it's tough, but it's awesome. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what I think we should go out with? What time? A song from Academy Award nominee Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. <laughs> if you haven't listened to 302010, Diana has, is always talking about Eurovision. She got her own movie this year. Uh, and <laughs> I, just, I love when I can say Academy Award nominated anything really stupid. Please, so. again, let's keep stacking up the movies that have more than Kubrick. Uh, Suicide Squad, more, more Oscar than Kubrick. wins than Kubrick. Or, been... More than Kubrick and Hitchcock combined. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, was it Eurovision also had uh, Melisanti Mahut, who's the uh, she's Cassandra in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh, so, cool. little, little connection. The oh. Vigi Games, Vigi Game Apocalypse. That's why we call him Wiki Paras. He just knows. Um, and, <laughs> I and, don't know how. Just do. <laughs> <laughs> like, my cursed brain. I can't remember how to fucking write a ticket at the bank but I, I know <laughs> oh yeah the voice of max was totally in call stars never mind we've been laser time take us out someone just girl. text